Right then, Clara Oswald. Time to find out who you are. the universe using a kettle and some string and look at me i'm wearing a vegetable hello faithful listener and welcome to a kettle and some string where we take a random trip through all the doctor's adventures in time and space i'm dave and as my guest today i'm delighted to have from the wibbly wobbly dicey wicey the doctor who role-playing game podcast it's mr ryan blake how you doing ryan i'm good thanks thank you very much for taking with me on this random trip oh it's been a pleasure what story have you been sent to where are we going uh, we are going to the Bells of St. John. So we're actually going to be visiting two time zones, the 13th century and the 21st. Yeah, the first episode of Series 7B, it's loosely yeah. sort of called. Um, I'll be honest, this is not my favourite season of Doctor Who. Ah. Um, no, I, I've, I've kind of got a hard sell with this one. Um, it's just, yeah, Matt Smith's first season this bit seven is all right but this seven b i think i've got some problems with but uh, i gather that you probably like it more than i do yeah i mean i i have very mixed feelings about clara uh purely because of i mean uh not to sort of jump the timeline but purely because of how incredibly important she ends up being yeah and that i found a little bit I don't know. It was it was like manufactured importance. It's like she didn't, not the actress or anything like that. But Clara Oswald's importance didn't feel earned. It was just like here, shove down your throat. She's really important. And then what happens to her at the very end, which is jumping even further down the timeline, I found that a a, a wee bit much to say the least. I totally agree. <laughs> I've got big problems with Clara. I just find her. We'll go into it, but yeah, I'm not. I don't want to start on a bum note, but. Yeah, Clara's. I'm not a fan of Clara at all. This person, Clara, I'll gather. The other two are all right, but this one. Yeah, no. I, 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 I agree with you. The first two versions of Clara, well, the second version of Clara, I really liked the Victorian Clara. Yeah. The first version of Clara, I also liked, even though I, I thought she was. They. This is going to sound weird, but they. She was as sexual, sexualized as possible. Like she's sitting there in like a micro skirt. Lying back on that chair. I mean, it was, it was, I know she's stuck inside a thing, inside a, uh, I don't know, do we do spoilers all right in this? Yeah, 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 go for it. So we, so we know she's technically stuck inside a Dalek and it's, when you think about it, you could argue that she's actually very arrogant, the first Clara, because she is, it's entirely her projected self-image because she's actually inside a Dalek. So she's really a squishy, pulpy thing, but that's how she sees herself. And she's put herself in the most glamorized, sexualized position possible. Uh, and making souffles as well. But... <laughs> making, yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. But um, yeah, uh, you aren't the first person to say to me that the, the previous versions of Clara are much more likable. Yeah, the Victorian version in particular, I was dotted that when we saw her die in that episode, mm. I thought, well, I've got my... This is, this is partly maybe my reason for this. Uh, season being a bit 
a hard sell for me is that I had my trepidations from the beginning because I thought that's a good version of the character and she's died. This modern character, this modern day version, is she going to be better than that? I doubt it. And as it turned out, she certainly wasn't in my eyes. Yeah, it's funny because Moffat tends to write, well, up until this point and right up until the season 10 with, with the 12th Doctor, every female character he writes, I find, is always self-confident to the point of being aggravatingly cocky. And I yes. know the doctor is, and 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 you can argue well. If as a bloke, I wouldn't say this, but but with a song, Amy and <clears throat> and Clara Oswald, they're all they're all very aware of how pretty they are, and mm-hmm. and and that gets played on, and they're all supremely confident. But for some reason, they also always really desperately need a man. <laughs> yes. You know? Yes. It's a um, really the doctor, but yeah. Well, the doctor in particular. I mean, with Amy, she had the doctor to start with who she threw herself at. Fine. She's sexually confident, no problem there. Then there was Rory, who she ends up I mean, they you know, some people would say this is the definition of love, but she's completely besotted with him in the end and fiercely loyal. And all right, Rory was at the start as well. Great. Both characters did grow, but still the pattern of um pertains, persists. With a song is, I mean, she's all but humping the doctor's leg every time she's in an episode. Um, <laughs> and I'm not, that's not a criticism of her in in in, in the truest sense, because I like I like River Song. But the same well, thing with, Yeah, and the same thing with Clara Oswald. Um, the 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 version we get for two, three seasons is she's got she's she she's very, very aware of how pretty she is. She's very confident to the point of being, you know, arrogant. And she's got the doctor to start with, and then she's got um, I'm gonna forget his name, the soldier. I completely oh, that's oh, Danny Pink. Danny Pink, thank you. I can only remember Pink, and I was just thinking his name's not Pink. Um, yeah, Danny Pink, who who she in no time at all, and I realise they've only got thirteen seasons episodes, but in no time at all, she's in love with him, and you know, there's serious commitment there and everything, and yeah, so. It's a strange pattern um, uh, that that I think, coming back to the point of why you invited me on here, um, <laughs> get, gets really, I think, underscored in this. Because watching this episode again for the first time in a while, I saw very early on, she is, I think, maybe this makes me an old fart, I don't know, but she's very <laughs> flirty with Matt Smith's doctor, with the Emmett's doctor. Oh, yes, she has, yes. She's very flirty with him right from the start. And she's basically, I mean, if he was a human, well, and, and I mean this in the, in, the, in the good sense, she leads him on. She very much hints that there's going to be some uh, biological interaction, shall we say, <laughs> you know? So, yes. And that's right from the start. She really hits the gas quite early on. So, so is, is it with hindsight, it's interesting to see where she ends up in relation to this. Yeah, I think she's far better with Peter Capaldi's Doctor, funnily enough. Just this this mini sort of season, I just don't buy it. This, um, I just don't know, something's off for me. It's just, Clara, for me, just comes across as a bit of a cipher. It's, it, it's, like, she's a cardboard cutout companion. There's no, like, the way that she reacts, and I've noted it down a couple of times this episode, just wouldn't, for me, be how you would naturally react. And that's, I've got a problem with that. It's just, that's just not what you would do. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
she uh, she she adapts suspiciously quickly. Yes, yeah, she's in these bizarre situations, and there's no justification for her suddenly just taking it all. Oh yeah, okay, yeah, you're an alien. Oh, all right. In fact, that said at one point, he says, "Is that all right?" And she just shrugs her shoulders. Now, every other person probably in the universe would go, "All right, oh, and so that, that's a bit to take it." Or you'd have some sort of reaction. Yeah, because even Rose. It. Yeah, it's almost as if like she meets a guy like that every day, which is nonsense. I just yeah, I, I've got a lot of. Uh, but she does get better for me as she goes on. Uh, certainly, season eight, but she should have left at the end of series eight for me. But that's another story. Yeah. The the last Christmas episode. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I, I think that was a great ending. I, I think when I first watched this, and I was reminded of this when I when I rewatched it, there's there there are two ways to make her attitude shall we say more sensible there's the idea that you parlay it that well she's the impossible girl she's splintered throughout time so the reason she's not phased is because retroactively she's already kind of experienced all these things and it's some vestigial memory so there's i I thought maybe it's that the other way would just be to have and this you could this you can make this go a long way you just have a scene in between episodes or like when the doctor's not around where she just sits down somewhere or stands or whatever and just shakes. And she has like this noradrenaline reaction of like, you know, when it's quiet, she's like, Oh my God, I can't believe this is happening. And she has a quiet moment to herself. And that way we know all the arrogance, all the cocky, cocksure, confident attitude is kind of like an act. She puts on to save herself from freaking out. And she thinks, Mm -hmm. right, don't freak out now when you've got a moment to yourself, then freak out. And then it'd be like, Oh, okay. But sadly, they didn't do that. So, yeah, I just don't find her. Maybe it's because we were so used to all the companions before it, but she just doesn't. She's not believable to me. She's just not believable. It's yeah. I, I always felt it was. Where where did the confidence come from? You know, the supreme and it's supreme confidence. She does not freak out. At most, her eyes go slightly bigger, and that's about it. <laughs> yes. You know, and I don't know if that. It, the thing is, without looking at the shooting script and what the director was telling her, is it the actress or is it the actor? Sorry, or is it the script? I mean, I don't mind. I've got no problem with someone being really confident, but mm. you, that needs to come from something. Yeah, you yeah. Uh, just yeah. There's no sort of explanation. She comes in and yeah, I just, <laughs> I just don't <laughs> like her. So <laughs> yeah, I. It's the one. One second. <clears throat> Sorry, it's the one companion I think we've had in New Who that I'm not sure I'd actually want to hang out with her particularly, which would probably sounds very arrogant on, on my bill. But like Rose, I think would be quite good fun on some level. Okay. Um, Martha, to be honest, I fancied Martha, so I can't really judge. Bill, I think was great fun as well. Yep. Um, yeah, and that's and and Rory, yeah, Rory's Rory seems to be, you know, once he comes out of his shell, he's 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 good fun as well. But Clara, I'm just not sure if she would rub me up the wrong way a bit. You know? I agree. I, I would hate that sort of I mean as I'm the same, I don't mind somebody being overconfident, but it does venture into arrogance and sometimes that's just oh come on. Just Yeah, what's wrong with you? Shake. Yeah, what's wrong yeah. with you? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. I I I, I really feel like the, the first and last question I would ask Clara is, yeah, what what is wrong with you? Right, look, look, an alien sun's exploding, or there's an alien god there in a pyramid. Like, and you're not reacting. Yeah, 
Yeah, it's like, is there something wrong with you? I mean, do you not think this is impressive? What's you know, your reaction is so it's not exactly nonplussed, but it's just kind of quiet enthusiasm at best. Yeah. She has no she experiences no culture shock at all. And like Rose, when uh when in the Unquiet Dead, when she goes back in time for the first time, her first trip in the TARDIS, there's all that build up just before she goes outside to walk on Earth in the past. And she's like don't freak out kind of a thing. And she's really like, it's a re really good bit of acting there. Where it's like, okay, here we go. And in, the, in, in, in all of this, you know, all right, the bells of St. John, she doesn't time travel in it, but she does get inside a very small box and transport into an airplane that's going to crash. And the, the most she does, and this was a good acting touch. She holds onto her mug of tea. Yeah. All I like the way that. Through, yeah. And that was a nice, Bit of this is my anchor to reality. I'm not going to let go of this. That was good, but that plane was. I mean, and and not to get crude, but this is post 9/11. She's in a plane that's going to crash into something, and she was like, "Okay, I'm my eyes are going to go slightly <laughs> yeah. wide." Yeah, and that was it. So, which, like, like, yeah, like you've got Rose in the end of the world who goes out, sees all the aliens, and freaks out, and she needs a moment to herself, which is a totally human reaction. But you get the same sort of scene in Rings Akatan. And literally, Clara just, oh, well, as if this, oh, this is great, hanging out with all these aliens, I, fantastic. And there's no, it's just, that's not how you would react, I'm sorry. You just, you would have some sort of, oh, my God, what, I can't believe what I'm seeing here. And she looks around and everything, but it's just, as you see, I don't know if it, because I like the actress. I've seen her in other things, and yeah. she's very good. But just, and that's, I don't know, it's, it's just off for me. It's just, yeah. It's Not yeah. Horrible. It's a weird thing. It's a weird criticism to level at a show that has time travel and aliens in it. Yeah. But, but it's just not realistic. Correct. Yeah. 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 So it's strange. Strange. Like I said, I don't. I've got nothing against the actor, and I don't know if it's her choices or if it's the script or what. But it's throughout the whole thing. I was a bit like, can we have something get to her, please? Because the closest thing we get is when Danny Pink dies, I think. That's the only time I can remember her ever having a reaction that I thought was like, okay, that kind of makes sense. You're freaking out a bit properly. So, Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to a soon I'll be doing the Kill the Moon. And that's the only other one they've seen at the end. And that where she has a right go at the Doctor for basically abandoning her. And, it, and it's almost like, yes, she, finally, a human reaction. You're actually a believable human being in this. Yeah, you know? yeah. But we need to more of it. We need it all the time. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's an odd one. But yeah, no, the Bells of St. John, um, I think is a very good start for a companion in the context of what happens. Mm -hmm. Um, although it should be called the ringtone of St. John. Because <laughs> yeah. if you remember, it's not a bell at all. No. They just call it that. So and I just feel like if you call it the ringtone of St. John, it would stand out more as a title because it'd be like, what what on earth is that? Because yeah. it's, because it's it's not it's a phone it's the doctor's phone going off. Do you remember when like the episode title was announced to this? And literally, I was thinking, what the hell does that mean? The bells of Saint John. It never occurred to me it would be like the also the Saint John's thing on the police box. Yes, I just thought, yeah. what on earth? Is... But it's set in modern day, and I, I'm I couldn't make the link. Yeah, why is yeah. it called the Bells of St. John? And then I watched it and I still didn't click <laughs> until until later on, obviously, like uh, I realised, oh, right, it's the thing on the... And I think he does say it, obviously, in the episode, but I must have missed it when I watched yeah, it. Yeah, the, the monk says the Bells of St. John are ringing, come and get the, yeah, the mad yeah. monk or whatever they call him. So, But yeah, because the thing is, obviously, the TARDIS has only ever been St. John's ambulance 
since Moffat took over. Mm. He brought it back because he likes Peter Cushing's TARDIS from the Dalek movies. So, so which is which is a nice touch. I mean, I like I do like that. It doesn't add anything really, but it's nice. But but like yeah, I said, I it's it's actually the ringtone of St John, really. So <laughs> so how this one came about, um, Stephen Moffat is, of course, is the master of taking something off the everyday and then making it scary, like our shadow and all that. Hmm. And then just one time he thought, well, why don't we make kids scared of Wi-Fi, of all things? Yes, yeah, yeah. And you can't go behind the sofa to protect yourself from that. Most no. of the time, the roof is behind the sofa, so... And uh, Marcus Wilson in a car in New York said, wait a minute, we should make an urban thriller with a narrative similar to the Bond movies or the Bond identity, which I think had not been out long at yeah. that time. Uh, and then the Wi-Fi idea came from Stephen Moffat seeing wireless base stations on his laptop while on his train trips. Yeah, the, the, the thing is, unfortunately, this is, what well, for me, this is the first obvious sort of bookmark in the Moffat era, retroactively, um, that Moffat ran out of ideas before his term in office was gone because he repeats this idea almost precisely in uh, Death, in, Death in Heaven and yeah. whatever the other part was, something water. I forget what that is. Yeah, Dark Water. Dark Water is Dark yeah. Water, yeah. <clears throat> because this is the same idea. It's the same idea, except, except, um, oh no, actually, no, it's just the same idea. It is the same idea. It's interesting you say that because there's a couple of things I noticed in this episode, which is like, it, I think it makes it a bit tired in terms of it's some of these ideas are recycled, like yeah. the when the spoon head turns. That's a, yeah. that's completely out of the library two part, or and the, there's a couple of other things we like. Oh. I've seen this before, and mm, the the second episode of the Eleventh Doctor, the Smilers, their heads turn around as well. Yeah, their heads turn around as well. Yeah. 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 And I know that's a basic motif, but he goes to the well a few times, a few times with that. And what surprises me, given that Moffat really likes his interconnected storylines coming back later on, he could have very easily have dropped in a line saying that those two technologies are connected, that the technology yeah. they use there is what evolves into the Smilers. And if he'd said that, it would be a lot more palatable. It wouldn't be a repeated idea. It would be a theme. And I'm surprised yeah. he didn't do that. Yeah, I'm surprised as well because he's done it with other things like the whole thing in Deep Breath, obviously, sinking to the, the ship officer where we saw Madame de Pompadour and saying, yes. yeah, I've seen this all before, just something like that, which, like, yeah. right, I'm noticing it's the same, but the doctor's acknowledging it's the same. So it makes yes. it all right. Yeah, exactly. Otherwise, yeah, yeah. It's just, otherwise, you'd have been going, well, that's just the same plot, isn't it? Yeah, it's <laughs> the same, the same yeah. I mean, God knows. I mean, you look at Black, um, the Bad Wolf, arc and i say arc in air quotes because it's not really an arc it's it's literally a repeated couple of words throughout the episodes there's no cause and effect there at all particularly with with moffat he does at least i will say that, not that i'm knocking mosty davis at all but moffat's arcs tend to be a bit more intricate and actually be proper arcs because with russell t davis it was bad wolf which was just bad wolf repeated a bunch of times yeah and Season two, Torchwood, was just Torchwood. The word repeated a couple of times. And the Doctor, the one good thing was the Doctor inadvertently creates Torchwood. Okay, that was good. Um, and season three was, um, well, it ended up being the master. I'm just trying to think how, how oh, Harold Saxon. Yeah, Harold Saxon. Yeah. But again, that's still repeated words. 
nothing much happens with Saxon. The first appearance of Harold Saxon was technically a poster in the season one finale of Torchwood. And then it goes on. But again, Rusty Davis's arcs tend to be repeated words and that's about it. And then at the end, oh, that's what it turns out to be. With Moffat, he's got the intricate arcs, but then he's got just repeated ideas. Because if you, a lot of his villains were don't. Don't look, don't breathe, don't blink, <laughs> don't miss, you know. Uh, which is a bit more intricate, but um, the, but the, but with this instance, like you said, the spoonheads, the controllers, they're the smilers that he's already done a couple of seasons ago, and um, uh, what was the other one you said? Sorry, you, you said it earlier. The, the nodes in the library. Too That's it. The nodes in the library. Yeah. So, yeah, it's um, uh, it, again it, for someone who has got so many connections in his scripts, he really dropped the balls too harsh, but he missed the trick there. Yeah. Not, you know, because all, all he had to do was, you know, the doctor could have said, Oh yeah, this, this technology will eventually evolve into the smilers when you, your species leaves earth. And then Clara yeah. would have gone, Oh, we leave earth. That's interesting. <laughs> that, would have been their <laughs> that would have been her reaction. Yeah, exactly. At best. In the original draft of this, um, there was a character in the opening montage called Donald who died at Heathrow Airport, and then a woman called Margaret took a call four days later from him saying that he didn't know where he was. Clara was introduced by asking Angie if the internet worked on Sunday, which would have made her look slightly even more sort of <laughs> abused by technology. Um, it was also revealed that there was 42 world leaders on that had been uploaded to the cloud, and that the low, the low IQ people were pulped for usable skill sets. That's something we'll get into later, but I didn't quite understand the whole um, giving them skills. And I, I, we'll get to it later, but I wasn't quite yeah. sure what the Great Intelligence's plan was in all this. No, <laughs> that, that was half a script there. Yeah, half yeah. a plot. Yeah. When, when the doctor found Clara on the stairs, the TARDIS phone rang and a whispery voice said, run, you clever boy, and save her, which, of course, is going to be messy. Yeah. Say. But, of course, I'm assuming at that point, Michelle Gomez wasn't uh, hired yet, and that's probably why he did Yeah, that's probably that. that would make sense, yeah. Yeah, there's a bit of a way to go before that. Then hmm. in the second draft, the doctor says to the waking passengers on the plane, please remember plane travel is by far the safest form of transport, unless it's a crashing one, in which case you're done for. Bye. <laughs> I, I can see why uh, they cut that out because they sound. I thought he was doing a Superman riff there, but yeah, yeah, ten, I mean, yeah. Just get the whole audience scared to going on a plane tomorrow. You know? Yeah, yeah. And in this version, the Doctor found out that it was the Great Intelligence behind everything because in this one, of course, he doesn't find out. He just no sort of shrugs his shoulder and goes off, oh, dealt with it. And Kate Stewart appeared because, of course, oh. that was I've noticed that as well. That obviously, like, it was a bit weird that Unit appears at the end. But their oh, figurehead leader wasn't there. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, that would have been interesting. I mean, it would have really packed the episode if they'd had all of that in, I suppose. But yeah, yeah, I guess, yeah. If it would have been turned up yeah. and went right. I've, I've got theory for this. Plus, <laughs> had Kate Stewart hadn't been in it yet until this point. This would have been her debut. No, she was in uh, the three. Oh, oh my god! So yes, I can, yeah, you're quite right. You're quite right. I completely. Wow, I spaced on that completely. Yeah, that would have been because then people would have been wanting follow-ups from that. Although it is quite curious. It's a good point you've raised there. It is quite curious that the Doctor never 
and, and the 11th doctor usually does do this he didn't follow up and think right who did this i need to find out he just completely is like oh okay move on he, yeah. he, he's he's so enamored by clara oswald and finding out what she is that he overlooks that yeah he's too yeah. focused on her yeah i mean at least he's got the excuse because he is so focused on her so i suppose that that does make sense but it's yeah it's interesting because this is the same 11th doctor who after getting rid of the Atraxi, calls them back so he can make sure they never ever come back. He's yeah. you know he's belt and braces this doctor usually, but in this in this case, uh, absolutely he, he forgets. So yeah, what what did you think about the skills thing, or is it, or you want to come to that later? But uh, uh, well, we can talk about it now. I just didn't get it. I, I thought right, so because when Clara's uploaded, we find out that she's got she's been given more computer skills, yeah, or something. But why? What was it? What was that for? What, I, what was the great intelligence going to do? I couldn't. I I I watched it with a fine tooth comb this time, <laughs> and I was like, "There's that. That's been cut out of the script." The the Celia Imry, um, the actress uh, actor, just says, "Give her a computer skills package," and that and they just do, and it's like, why? She's she's been uploaded half uploaded then re-downloaded and saved by the doctor yeah. then but but she gets as she's getting re-downloaded back into her body they say give her a skills package and yeah it's and and, yeah. and here and here's the thing she was given a really really top level internet skills package like not just how to use the internet which she couldn't do but like hacking an advanced alien ai Hoojima flip that's light years beyond human uh, technology. She yeah. never uses it again. Yeah, it's it's almost like does the does it fade over time? Like just suspiciously at the end of this episode that she's lost the she's yeah, lost but... all the skills. It's, it's strange. Or when it the cloud is cut off, as it were, does that mean all the skills go? I, I yeah, there was a lot of unanswered questions for me about all that. It was yeah, because just... she gets uploaded but she gets re-downloaded before everyone gets set back to their factory settings doesn't she yeah. so everyone else goes back to who they were originally before they were tweaked by the great intelligence and again why he's doing that i don't know but but clara gets downloaded before that and there's not anything that says she doesn't get those skills given back to her now maybe we're just supposed to assume that the doctor rigs it so that she just gets her normal self back fine but i feel like a single line could have cleared that up because otherwise I was just thinking she never really uses any computer skills for the rest of it. And this is someone who went from where's the internet. Yeah. You know? Not knowing what the Wi-Fi was. Yeah. Which suddenly, is, yeah. Yeah. Which again, for someone her age is pretty anachronistic. It's pretty weird that someone her age, a young woman, I mean, I don't know how old she's supposed to be late twenties, I guess. Yeah, to yeah, doesn't know how to use the basic internet. You know, the yeah. basic how do I use the Wi-Fi internet? Not how do I use a VPN or anything advanced. Super basic stuff. So, yeah. 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 I mean, apart from anything else, I feel, and again, maybe I'm being picky, don't you think she would have gone, oh, I used to be able to use the computers really well, and now I can't. Duh, duh, duh. <laughs> I would miss that. I'd feel gypped. You know, Aye, it's 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 a strange one, and 
as I say, what's the great intelligence's plan? I mean, they they give is it they give everyone skills to, um, so that he can somehow take over the world through the, the spoonheads. Uh, uh, yeah, it's very unclear. I'm at this point, listeners, just shrugging my shoulders because I don't know yeah. um, any any theories. Let us know, but, <laughs> but I just yeah, can't please, understand please. what the what what the what the end game of the great intelligence was for us. Because because the great inte- because the great intelligence says I feasted, but now it's time to shrink or get yes. smaller. Like, why why aren't you taking what you've got and going? What part of you doesn't want to just leave everyone a gibbering wreck with no memories or intelligence? Why don't you just take the money and run? What's the what do you gain from this? Because when he comes back in name of the doctor, name no, of the doctor, yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah, nothing comes from this. He doesn't suddenly have all this computer technology knowledge or something, or like why yeah. would he need it? Exactly, you know? he doesn't say, I know humanity better than you now, doctor, and I will use it to this advantage or anything at all. So it's it really feels like although it goes at a really good pace and I re- I, I, I got to say, I really did enjoy this episode. When I think about why I enjoyed the episode, I'm thinking this is kind of all on Matt Smith. It's his performance and, and, and the concept of uploading people and downloading them and jiggering with their minds. That's really interesting. But the rest of it kind of, kind of sort of falls apart a little bit when you, when you poke it a bit, you know, because you're right. Why now? Okay, the one bit I understood was all the people who came to that office don't know what why they're in the office. Some of them. There's that guy at the end who says, "I was here to clean the toilets. Why am I wearing a suit? Why was I operating a computer?" So I get he has gathered a small cadre of people to carry out his bidding, and he has uploaded them and he's given them super skills to spread his network. That bit I get. No problem with that. But everybody else he's uploaded and they're all going, I don't know where I am. I don't know where I am. He's replaced their brains with subservient personalities. Yeah. Or is he just sucking their minds dry? It's unclear, isn't it? It's just what's going on. Yeah. I mean, I, um, I liked uh, one, one thing I really did like is when he resets everyone at the end, even though I don't know why he does it, the fact that Celie Imri has been working for him for such a long time, she's like a little girl in a grown body. That was a great bit of spooky. Doctor oh, yeah, yeah. I, like, I love that bit. When we get to it, yeah, that is, for me, <clears> one <throat> of the top bits of the episode. I, I just, yeah. you didn't see that coming. Like, oh, of course, because, of course, we've seen the great intelligence, like with the guy in the snowman, take over somebody from their kid until they're... Yeah. Uh, so that, that was really... But again, what the heck was his plan? And also, okay, now I'm I'm being super picky here because it's probably not fair, but why have your Wi-Fi thing? Right, so one, why wasn't he just advertising super fast, free Wi-Fi everywhere in the world? Click here. And why doesn't it... Okay, so that, there's one thing that I didn't get because the Wi-Fi is all about marketing. And two, why did he put it in an alien script? Why not just disguise it as something completely innocuous? Why not just call it free, fast Wi-Fi? And everyone's yeah, going to click on that. Or Cloud Incorporated. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. something, yeah. Why put it in an alien script? Now, I get it. It's a science fiction show. So, so you know, I, I, I get. But, but why not just call it, like you said, Cloud Incorporated, and then maybe have an alien symbol at the end, if you're going to have the alien bit in it. But it doesn't make sense. If you want to get everyone, 
you make it completely innocuous and do it that way. Yeah, know? it's almost like he's advertising. I'm alien and I'm bad news. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> bad guy ink. Click here. Yeah. Um, have you ever seen a science fiction show called The Dollhouse? Or have you heard no. of it? Right. So there's this show. Well, it's one of Joss Whedon's one um, fr uh, from not around about this time. And basically the idea is, is that there are these people called dolls who are regular humans who go to this place and they have their personality stored on a hard drive and preserved. And they enter a, a contract for like, I think it's like five years or whatever. And in those five years, they are basically for hire and they can have different personalities and memories imprinted in them. Right, okay. And they, so they can get hired out. So if someone wants to go on a date with someone or someone wants to have an adventure with someone or whatever. Okay. Um, they can do that. So it's like they've got all these human people with no default personalities of their own anymore that keep going. And it reminded me very heavily of that because there's the, the remember there's the sliding bars that they have in this where they can yes, up someone's yeah. paranoia and their intelligence. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which was a nice touch. Although what? Yeah. I, 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 it felt like that was a very underused thing because all she did was boost someone's intelligence when they wanted, when she wanted him to do something very clever and boost someone's paranoia for giggles. That's yeah. Why not, yeah why, why not just keep the levels high or not? If, if give everyone big intelligence, surely that would go towards whatever the game game is quicker, wouldn't it? Yeah. And you think, okay, right. Let's assume there's usually a, a leaf from Dungeons and Dragons. Everyone's got a charisma score, boost everyone's charisma score so they can go out and persuade people to use it more. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a, yeah. I, I really feel like this was half of a potentially brilliant script. Or, uh, to be honest, there's enough stuff in here. I think it could have been a brilliant two-parter, really. Mm, I'm not sure if it would have stretched that far, but I, I, I'm, I'm just thinking going with it. if you keep following through on all the stuff, because there's a lot more that wasn't unpacked. Yeah. And I, I quite like the idea that in the end, the Doctor has to defeat the monster by turning the internet off and on again. <laughs> <laughs> which is the solution to most of our IT issues exactly it? exactly exactly I mean they literally do that to Clara in this they turn her off and on again turn on again yeah so yeah but um, I just feel like this could have been a, a, a great deal better and I enjoyed it but I just feel like there's so much more to unpack and I don't know why it is the way it is really I can't think of I mean you said there was at least two big revisions well there was two um earlier drafts, but I mean, I think in the modern day, who, I think they, as Terence Dick says, they do about 15 drafts and he's like, oh, what was it, his quote, he said that any script that needs more than four drafts or something is, you know, it's no worth doing again or something. He, he, there was a <laughs> quote because he was he was absolutely outraged that the new series, they seem to go through like hundreds of drafts, I'm not exaggerating, but Yeah, I know uh, what you mean though. Um, but yeah, the script editors, I mean, this whole season, in a nutshell, we know was quite he had a lot on his plate because he was doing Sherlock. He was got the 50th coming up. And he even says himself that this season he dropped the ball, he feels. Um, and I think it's totally, you can see it in a lot of the episodes of this year because just like this, there's some things just don't quite, it needed another draft or two to really like finesse some of the questions that we're talking about. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. It's, or it's not explained, I should say. It's not, that's the sad thing though, is that when you get, scripts that are like you know unrealized a lot of the time it's like it doesn't really have the legs you're stretching this to 42 minutes but with this one 
there's so much stuff that's you know potentially really really great idea i think that might be why he ended up doing dark water and death in heaven because i think he thought how do i use this idea properly now yeah you possibly, because yeah. because that that's i don't know actually in your opinion which one is spookier because you know in terms of the upload download thing of human souls in air quotes which one's the spookier idea because i'm not really sure um the issue with death in heaven and dark water is obviously the fact that it's going into Cybermen, but where's the Cybermen's flesh coming from if they're all dead? And well, they're, they're not, <laughs> they're not, that's the thing, that. because they're not really Cybermen, are they, at that point? I mean, how no. did Danny Pink's body get involved in that Cyberman body? Yeah. Because it's his face, yeah. isn't it? And that makes... Because I thought... The, I thought, not to sort of tangent too much, but I thought it was going to end up being like, these Cybermen are better because they're all artificial... And the sort of programming has been downloaded. But then I just thought, what do you actually need the human downloaded brain patterns for in the Cybermen? What, what, what benefit do they get from that? Us. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. And how did Danny Pink's face get there? Because I thought Danny Pink's face was going to be like a holographic projection because he thought of himself that he was projecting a hologram of his face. But it wasn't. So that means that missy was actually a mass massive grave robber as well as a brain uploader <laughs> so yes yeah yeah but but the idea of um i think moffat had obviously been watching the matrix because you think about it the whole upload of per people into a computer thing is one element not that the matrix cornered that but the sliders of the personality traits reminded me very much again of um i need to be, I need the skills of a Bell QE helicopter pilot skill downloaded into me. Yeah, yeah, and done that. Yeah, yeah, and that. I mean, that was when was Bell St John? Two thousand thirteen. It was thirteen. Good. Yeah, yeah. So well after the last Matrix film, then. So we obviously thought the, the dust has settled. I can use this idea. Uh, a bit like the brain of Morbius, uh, various venues in Cardiff were used for the images of the people in the cloud, including members of the production team. So they went, I'm assuming what they must have done was went to loads of businesses and said, right, did, can your face be on the, yeah. and, you know, when it's got like hundreds of them on the thing. So a bit like the Brain of Morbius, a couple of the members of the production team are in those, that yeah. thing of tellies. Are they pre-timeless children doctors? Well, we'll not go there. Um, oh dear. <laughs> well, not Please, go there. I, I, unfortunately, I've dragged us off on enough tangents so I really don't want to start unpacking <laughs> timeless <Yeah>. child. <laughs> On one take of the motorbike being driven out the TARDIS, Matt Swift fell off, apparently. Really? Uh, did they, uh, was it like a, how can I put this? How humorous was it in a humour to danger ratio? <laughs> because, I mean, I, I obviously, how much of it did they film with him? Because obviously he wasn't literally going up the shard, we know that. But, but do you know, I wonder how much of that was Matt Smith? Because I watched and a lot of those shots could have been anyone in his nice purple coat. I think a lot is him because I think him and uh, the bike and Clara are on the back of a some sort of contraption that attaches itself to a car and so it goes along and then they can film right. it as if it looks like he's actually driving it. But I think some of the long shots, when the, because of course you would have seen it attached to this car thing, yeah. is like a stunt man and stunt woman. So I think it's the, the shots that are close up are him. And and what, those those long shots of him in central London I'd be very interested to know what 
whether the BBC had the authority to close that road down, that very busy road down, or whether they just filmed it at crazy o'clock in the morning and just shot it day for night and just lit it. Because I have, I, you know, I work in London, I see London a lot, and I've never seen that road anyway remotely that empty. He was screaming along on that bike, and like that just does not happen in the real world. So they don't have to the dinosaurs, did they go in at four in the morning when the light was coming off? Yeah, exactly. Because because I was thinking, oh, is it, it's the twenty eight days later, twenty eight days later thing where they've got they filmed it uh, at three o'clock in the morning when there's no one there, and just yeah. So incidentally, I think. I think this is my favourite Doctor costume. This one that, that Matt Smith adopts here with the purple purple long coat thing. Oh. I think this is my favourite one. Well, excluding like the Capaldi Pertwee frilly one. That that I do love that. But I really love this. This is my favourite Matt Smith outfit. I think so. I'm the complete opposite. I'm afraid I, I don't like it at all. Oh, what? Can I ask why not? Yeah, I, I think it's because it's. It's like it's been, it's like it's too designed. Ah, uh, I see what you mean. Whereas, like, the Matt Smith costume of Series 5, and getting it off the... Oh, off the, the yeah, yeah. It's just him, it just, it just suits. But now he's went from the same silhouette, but went to this sort of manufactured sort of outfit. He's even got, like, a, a waistcoat and a pocket watch. Yeah. Outfit. And the yeah. colour, and uh, it's just, no. I, I just, oh, it's not for oh, me. Okay. Not Ma- for me. Maybe it's because I really want it for myself. But <laughs> well, yeah, I yeah, guess. Well. Although, although, um, if I could have had him in any outfit, I would have had him keep the Victorian one. But obviously, he wasn't going to do that because it's Victorian. Oh, it's Victorian one's great. That's a really yeah. good one. But he's he's not going to. Unfortunately, he's not going to keep that in the modern day. It's, it's a bit of a stinker that. But um, the other one is um, he's got a one-off co- when I did the Crimson Horror. Yes, he's got a one-off question. I totally flew by over my head that he had that in this. I, I watched it and I thought, oh, he's got a different oh, look in this. Yes, because he he's gets, like a yeah. Sort of yeah. And the bowler hat, and he looked great in it. I did like the bowler hat, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's, it's, um, I suppose, yeah, because he just goes under the TARDIS, doesn't he, and throws out a bunch of clothes. I can see what, I can see what you mean. I can see what you mean. But, um, yeah, because he's, he was in the monk's robes, wasn't he? And he, he throws yeah, them out. Yeah, I mean, it's the same sort of way, uh, but, yeah. yeah, I just I think it's just lost. It's what made it great by putting them into a manufacturer. It's outfit. it's it's a it's a bit neat and tidy for him actually. Like I said, I, maybe I just like the outfit, but on that on the Matt Smith Doctor, who's clearly someone whose head is up in the sky all the time and doesn't think about appearance in that way. You're right; it is a little bit too neat and tidy, isn't it? I think it's a little bit out of character for him not to just throw on some clothes. So. Yeah, I, I guess, uh, well, he's in a strange sort of mindset at this time. He's trying to figure out who Clara is. He? Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I don't know if this is a rhetorical question or not, but in a weird kind of way, not to get crude, was the 11th Doctor kind of on the pool? Was he dressing up smart to try to impress Clara because he wants to win her over? Well, there's certainly some lines he has in this season which would suggest yes, because he's very he's got some very sexualised lines and this yeah. many series yeah because yeah. i remember he says he, he said, does say the line about her wearing a, a, sh- a skirt that's too tight yeah he says which that. i thought where did that come from with this doctor <laughs> that made no sense to me at all um uh what else if, if you don't mind me asking can you well um uh, like he's got in the crimson horror like he's got the whole joke with the sonic screwdriver like going up 
when he sees Jamie yes. coming out. And uh, there's a couple of things. It's almost, but it comes across like he's got a midlife crisis to me. It's almost like... I've and he's riding it. a bike in this one. He's riding <laughs> yes. a bike in this one. It's almost like like he's lost Damien Rory um, and Clara a few times. And then he's just like... And he, he, yeah, I don't know. It, it's just, yeah, it's like a midlife crisis sort of stereotypical thing in a film, like a film about a 50-year-old guy that's just needing to yeah. get a bit younger again. Yeah, so yeah. Comes across as to me. I mean, obviously we don't know when midlife is for the Doctor or if it will ever be <laughs> now, but but yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right. And then the motorbike thing, why has he got that kind of a thing? And yeah, that does kind of fit. And he's hanging out of a... And remember this time... He, more fitting into this theory i know clara's the impossible girl and all that jibber jabber but he has gone from having a female companion who's got a fiance and then a husband to a girl who's i think i'm fair clara's a little bit younger than uh amy i think she's supposed to be slightly younger i would say it at the end but i wouldn't i think when amy first started she was i would say she was younger than oh clara. yeah yeah but i'm talking about at the time the doctor meets her, Amy has oh, aged yeah, yeah, at that yeah. point. So, so, yeah. so he's gone from, yeah, a young woman who, with a fiance, to going with an even younger woman who is definitely single, and he's got a motorbike, and he's starting to make these sexual comments about her dress and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So, yeah, I think I think it does point to a midlife crisis. You know, <laughs> whether it's the doctor's midlife crisis or Steve Moffat's, I don't know, but. Well, Stephen Moffat has got a lot of sexualized uh, dialogue. His sex joke, he's obviously known for sex jokes and like yeah. coupling, and, coupling and all the rest yeah. of it. Yeah, so he, he certainly brings a lot of that into Doctor Who. And he says all the time in the behind the scenes, doesn't he, about, you know, well, you know, Amy saw a, a guy and thought, yeah, why not? <laughs> in Bells of St. John, right away, we've got that instantly. But this is the first time. Well, I, I, he's not been out that long, but the 11th Doctor doesn't shut her down straight away. No, he you know, <laughs> doesn't. He, he really, he really, really doesn't. And, her, her, and I think, and this is, this is a bone of contention for me, but the Doctor has been around humanity longer than any other alien full stop, but human ever. Every time they play the Doctor's not understanding humans, I'm always like, Shouldn't he understand all humans really, really well? He's been on this planet interacting with humans for so long. How can he not understand certain cues? How can he not understand what certain bits of body language mean? And I, I, the 11th Doctor was particularly bad for this, but it was very funny, so it was fine. But, but I never got it. Every time the 11th Doctor goes, oh, I don't understand humans, like... Uh, not that long ago, we had the bit where he, the Christmas special where he goes to visit the ponds at the end and he starts crying because he's happy. Yeah, yeah. And he made the comment about why do humans cry when they're happy? And it's like, you've been around humans since they existed, since they were amoebas. How can you be surprised by that? You know, it's, I always find that a bit odd. Yeah. I mean, the only argument I could get, give to that is, is two things. One, these obviously because he's alien and that'll just mask us multitude of sins. And <laughs> and the second one being that, like, we act around humans all the time and sometimes we can't read humans very well. But I'll give you that. I, yeah. you know, the, the second part I absolutely will give you. But the Doctor has been around humans for m literally millions of years, almost. 
he should know us backwards and forwards. He's met all the great thinkers. He's met plenty of regular folk. You know, so I, I, it's not even that sometimes he doesn't get it. Because sometimes people can surprise you. Fine. It, I know he's very old and all that stuff. But it's the sheer, utter culture shock the 11th Doctor has that blows my mind a little bit. You know? And I get... And I like the quirk of him not being cool. That I can completely yeah. get behind. Yeah. That makes total sense. But when he's surprised by human behaviour, when he when he has those tears and says humany woomany, uh, which I thought was a great expression, but when he cries tears because he's happy, it's like, well, what does that mean? That's really confusing. A minute ago, you didn't get why humans did that, and now you're doing it. What does that... I don't... You know, I get it was played for sentiment. And it was a Christmas special, but the same way in this... She flirts with him, and before with Amy, he was shocked. And maybe the argument is every time there's a, the Doctor regenerates, he resets his understanding on some level. Yeah, yeah. But, but Amy flirted with him, and he was like, no, no, no. And Clara clearly flirts with him, and he doesn't recognise it. And I find that odd. I don't know. I mean, I think this is the first time in Bells of St. John, this is the so yeah, it's the first time I think we've had the doctor obsessed with a companion. Because he wants to know who she is. is, is that's the thing, but Clara's seen as like a plot device to be rather than a person. Yeah. That's the that's the ultimate thing I don't Yeah. Like. I mean, I mean, and you were sort of alluding to this earlier. The, the fact that once the name of the doctor, once the who is Clara Oswald Ark is done, isn't, isn't that the end of her story? This is the beginning of it in real terms, shouldn't that be it after that? Yeah, we had to go here after that. And they they, they pro prolonged her. And, yeah, I'm just... I, I, I'm inclined to agree with you. She's more of a plot device than a person. And, 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 and the actor is kind of having to act against that. You know, which yeah. is not easy. Which is not... Because all the other companions... Have not been plot have they? No. No one else has been a plot device, have they? They've been a character first and they've just had that story and then that's finished and they've gone. But Clara is a plot device who then goes beyond her plot. Essentially, yeah, that's that's exactly what happens. Well, the, the only good thing though is that there's a new doctor, so the dynamic completely changes and then they can that's focus true. on that. As opposed to the Impossible Girl, now we just get "Am I a Good Man?" Instead, instead we go to that route for the next. Oh season. yeah, don't get me started on my "I'm a Good Man." I, <laughs> I, I, I shaved my head, but I would have grown it back to tear it out when he said that. <laughs> I really would have. So that's a story for a, a total. That's a very yeah, time. absolutely, absolutely. So yeah, um, what did you think of the great intelligence in this? Because I know we said we didn't really get his plot, but what did you did you? What was your reaction to it? Because I was a I was a wee bit nonplussed because he was in the episode just before. It was a surprise. Um, I certainly wasn't expecting his mug to pop up on the TV screen. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, just the overriding question like earlier was just, I didn't understand what the what the plan was. Yeah. Didn't make any sense. No. But we'll get to that in the, yeah. in the, the story. Um, the rooftop sequences were intended to be set at Covent Garden, but this was changed to a venue with a better view of the Shard. Hmm. Oh. I, I'm, I'm not in London, so I don't know. Where I'm just trying to think it, but... how they would have used Covent Garden. Cause... Is it nowhere near the Shard, no? 
no, it's not that. It's just Covent Garden's quite flat oh. in context. So, yeah, you'd have had to have looked up even more, really. And Covent Garden's famous mostly for its market and a bit of theatre. But, yeah, I think they made the right choice in terms of architecture and things like that, because otherwise you've got like a, is it a bird, is it a plane kind of looking up thing otherwise? So, yeah. Extra security was hired for the scene set at Cloud Incorporated as there was 96 iPads on the set. So they actually got more security so that none of them got nicked. Which makes sense. Yeah, I suppose so. I suppose. They should have dressed them up like they were science fiction guards. They should have given them a science fiction uniform and then they could have filmed the guards guarding yes. it as part of the episode. But yeah, they missed, they missed a trick there. So, right. Well, I mean, if they're on a film set and there's, there are 96 iPads... Is this for outside scenes or what? Because you would have to have had a pretty daring thief if there was cameras everywhere to try and nick one of these iPads. <laughs> I mean, they yeah. yeah. Oh, well, I suppose it worked. I assume there's no reports of any of the iPads getting nicked. So Not to my knowledge, no. Also, why... Hang on. Okay. Am I missing a point? But why were they functioning iPads? Why aren't they just props? Pass. <laughs> okay. Because I'm, think, I'm thinking... I watched this episode again this morning and I can't remember that many scenes where where there were active iPads being held by a person somewhere and a screen thing, why not just use props and then for any long shots, just CGI a bit of light coming on? Wouldn't that have been easier than hiring a whole bunch of... You think I mean, so? Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> I mean, I've worked as a security guard. They get paid peanuts, so it probably would have worked out cheaper <laughs> doing that. So, yeah, okay, fair enough. That's interesting. Okay. This one really surprised me. Uh, the the pre credit sequence, how you know we get we'll get to it when we go through the episode. It's going across the world. That was expanded in scope after the series had finished filming. So the director and his director of photography then went on a worldwide tour to the likes of Tokyo and San Francisco to just get the shots, helped by the BBC Worldwide offices. So it wasn't. A, I don't know what they had filmed prior to this, but they obviously thought that's not. It's no big enough scale. Uh, we'll just send you up around the world and get some shots in Tokyo. Oh or my god! You're telling me they couldn't have used some stock footage and green screen somebody. That's what I thought. Yeah, that's what. I oh thought. my god! There's your tax money at work. Blimey. <laughs> oh dear. Right. I mean, sorry. I was just saying we just between the two of us here, we've already saved them thousands of pounds just by our basic suggestions <laughs> off the top of our head. So, oh dear. Oh dear. Okay. The Bells of St John was transmitted March 2013. And we've got Matt Smith as a doctor and, of course, uh, Jenna Louise Coleman, because she's not taken the prefix off her name yet, oh, yeah. um, as Clara Oswald, the modern-day version. And in the guest cast, we've got amongst some Celia Emery as Miss Kislip, yes. who has been in pretty much everything. everything. Yeah. yeah, The Nightmare Man, Bergerac, Still Game, Victoria Star Wood. Wars. Star Wars, yeah. And I think she's... Brilliant in this. I, I mean, oh, I, yeah. I think I, I mean one thing that's left at the Muffet series is that like he underuses like big guest cast, but yeah, I think in this uh, she gets a fair amount to do. I think she does. I mean, her ending it was brilliant, but there was a part of me that just thought oh, I would have liked her to have somehow been. Not, I know she's a, a, like a facilitator of the main villain in this, but I just feel like I don't know. I, Looking back, I was kind of hoping. I don't know why I thought this. It's just because I like Celia Rimri. But like the great intelligence downloads himself into her body, and she becomes a great intelligence, and so she can come back later. 
was you know yeah. but yeah she's no she's she's great she was very good casting she was she didn't have uh, to stretch herself too much but what she did was just bang on we've got james green as the abbot who i was looking it up he was in the sherlock holmes film johnny english I, i'm not i've not seen either of them so i don't know i've not really seen him in anything else i didn't recognize him but no neither did i okay really did not okay that's interesting that's a really small part for someone who's been in some big movies. Yeah. Sean Knopp, or Cop Knopp, I think, as Paul. Yeah, it's a song. Yeah. yeah. Um, I didn't recognise him either. There was a lot of people in this. I thought, I've never seen him in anything. Um, Robert, Whitelock at, yeah. is, Robert Whitelock is Mailer, who was in The Bank Job, which I think was a film. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, yeah. That. yeah. Dan Lee is Alex, Alexi. Who was in Vigil and I found out done some voices in the US version of Thomas the Tank Engine. <laughs> I was using <laughs> I was using Thomas the Tank Engine to teach some of my students the other day. That's a bizarre confluence. <laughs> because because I've got this kid who's really militant about the US version not being as good. So it's just weird <laughs> to hear that. And Manpreet Baku, I think uh, the pronunciation is as Nabil, who's the guy at the beginning that we see talk us through. Yes what's going on and he's been in the royals killing eve yes uh, yes killing eve thank you i was racking my brains about that killing eve thank you for putting my brain to rest on that one i'm yeah. glad i put your brain in <laughs> never seen killing eve. what right just quickly about about, about that i just don't I and mean, maybe we'll unpack this in a minute but i don't get his bit at the start of the episode so if we're going to come on to that i'll wait i'll put a pin in that yeah we'll, we we'll get to it. that yeah yeah so did you see this on first transmission? What was your thoughts when you first saw it for the first time back in 2013? Um, I did see it on first transmission. Literally, I think, yeah, all of, well, except for the 13th Doctor and uh, the, the the first, the, the, the Christopher Eccleston season, and we'll come up, we can come on to the reason for that in a bit. I watched them all fans tra first transmission and I really liked the 11th Doctor. He, he, the Seventh Doctor is my Doctor. He has a permanent place in my heart. But the Eleventh Doctor is, um, after that, it's the Eleventh Doctor. He he really came in. And and I really like the Tenth Doctor and I really like the Ninth. So I'm not saying it's bad about them. But when they went, well, the Ninth Doctor maybe not so much, but the Tenth Doctor, when he went, I was like, okay, I am absolutely ready to move on. And the Eleventh Doctor came in, it's like, bang, this is what I want for my Doctor. You know, if he's yeah. not a cosmic chess player, this is what I want from the Doctor, and I really liked him right from the start. And 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 um, this episode, all of his—I don't know why—but for some reason, the Eleventh Doctor, all of his quirks that he more or less keeps throughout the show, never annoyed me. I liked them. I always liked them. I find them quite endearing. Again, I know I said earlier about I don't get why he doesn't get humans as much, but he was so funny with them. I was like, okay. But this one was really good. The only thing I didn't like. And this might make me sound like an old fart again. I don't know, but I didn't like the fact that he didn't that he that she was flirting with him, and he wasn't having an adverse reaction to it. That was the only bit in this episode as an idea that I didn't like. But um, yeah, I, 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 uh, Matt Smith, the, the episode rises and falls on his shoulders. This one especially, I think, because there's not a lot to this episode, but he makes it great fun. So so yeah, I, I did watch it first time and. I, I'm I'm 99% certain that I liked it more then than I do now, but 
but now I like it in a different way more than anything else. So how about yourself? I'll be honest, is I'll just like I said earlier, um, I was a bit underwhelmed when I first saw it in first transmission because I just I don't know, just something was off to me. It was a maybe because everything was too new. I don't know uh, the purple jacket, um, a inferior version of Clara, the fact that things seem to be recycled from former episodes, the title sequence. I'm not really a big fan of in this season. I don't know, just a lot of it to me was just it seemed tired to me when I first saw it. I remember thinking. Mm, I'm, I'm a bit sorry. I, I, it just didn't excite me very much, to be honest. But see, me memory and the, and one or two other things are really good. But I do remember when first watching it and thinking, "Oh, I'm not quite sure about this. How this season's starting off?" Because I loved season seven A. A lot of people either hate or love season seven full stop. It seems, but series seven mm-hmm. A with that five episodes, I really loved. But just I don't know. Just it didn't get. I, I, it didn't get me. Yeah, I mean, I overall, I do prefer 7A, but 7B does have some of my favourite bits of Doctor Who full stop in it, but they're bits rather than episodes. It's a, it's, it's a very disjointed season overall. So, yeah, I think yeah. I'm, I'm inclined to agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but as a, as a sort of prelude to what's coming next, do you go back and look at it in a different way? Do you look at it and say, oh, okay, I get why this might have happened and stuff like that. Does it fall into place for you? Um, I'll cover, I'll go over that at the end, but um, yeah, it's interesting watching the episodes in isolation from the new series because in my brain, of course, I watched them in transmission order and there's mm. very few of them that I've went back and, um, well, there's some that I've went back to a lot, but there's, like this one I hadn't watched for many years, actually. Um, so it was interesting going back to it, just seeing it in isolation on its own. Mm. And seeing the difference, um, but I won't spoil what I thought about it until the end. <laughs> <laughs> if we go into the story, the first part is there was a prequel that's on the yes. DVD and Blu-ray, and it was on I think the I button before um, yeah. it went on, and it's about the Doctor in his old outfit, as it turns out, on a swing, and there's a little girl he speaks to who turns out to be Clara, and he has yeah. the little chat about. That he's looking for her and he can't find her and he just she just seems to turn up when he least expects it and it's this little sweet scene where she's she admits that she's talking to a stranger and she shouldn't be hmm. but he's sitting on the swing sort of feeling a bit sorry for himself and she's asking him if he's lonely and, and so on it's a like Matt is really good with children in any of the episodes he's in and he has a sweet sort of yeah we chat with her yeah it's I don't want to jump the timeline again but but I wonder when this prequel happens in relation to the 11th Doctor's life, because the episode after the one we're talking about, stuff happens with that little girl. Yes. I wonder when he does it, when he works it out, kind of a thing. But yeah, that's one of the brilliant things about Matt Smith is that's why he's he's almost a classic Who Doctor, because he can talk to children in that way without being weird or creepy or anything like that. I think mean, that's, that's absolutely, that's absolutely brilliant because that's a real skill. That is a genuine skill um, because I don't know what Matt Smith's like with kids in real life, but either way, you, being able to do it on screen and coming across that way is fantastic. And it's a real, a, a sort of true Doctor Who um, moment, I thought. So no, I was a big fan of that prequel actually. 
Yeah, and then we find out at the end that it's Clara because her mum says, Clara Oswald, you're not supposed to speak to strangers. And he can't hear her, so he doesn't know that it was. Yeah. Her. Yeah, I know. It makes you wonder, like, like the, the, the sheer level of cosmic coincidence for that to happen as well. Yeah. Is that because of the great intelligence thing where she goes into the, and then he happens to meet her because she was meant to meet him there as a kid? Or is it that he's been quite, well, you've got to see a bit creepy and is looking for her as a little girl, you know, <laughs> to try and find out what's going yeah. on? Because, like, we saw, saw him obviously um, go to the funeral of the other Clara, I think, in the snowman. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, Austin, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, I'd like to think the doctor's not definitely looking after, looking for little girls and he'd want to find the adult Clara so my theory is that it is the great intelligence <laughs> the thing is I mean the, the the thing is I think we can rule it out simply because the doctor is not going to the doctor is clearly not going around reading minds um, because otherwise he would have known she was Clara straight away and so if he's going by just a visual reference he would not look for young Clara as a little girl because he wouldn't recognise her from Adam so I think we're safe <laughs> Yeah, I think we are. <laughs> think, fingers crossed. Yeah. So, so, and of course, he gets a new bow tie in this one as well, which yes, he does. Uh, which becomes his thing. Remember, if he, he wears one color bow tie for the future, one color bow tie for the past. In season, in the, you mean in the first season he was in, and in this one as well. So he, he changes his tie on it. He, he changes his bow tie at the start of this episode, not the start. But oh yeah, yeah, he gets a new tie. Yeah, he gets yeah. the tie. Yeah. 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 Um, just like David Tennant used to wear one jacket, one suit for one part. So it's it's another one for that. But um, yeah. So so um, so this episode. Yes. Yeah, so at the start of this episode, we get that warning from what's the chap's name again? You mentioned him a minute ago. I'm going to have to look up his name now. Sorry, because <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> Nabil. Now, I don't quite understand if you're not supposed to know where you are and all that stuff. How did he know all of that story to give us the exposition? Because everyone else who uploads just freaks out and says, I don't know where I am. But he somehow worked it all out and then still fell for it. I'm not, I know I know it's Moffat giving us the exposition of the plot, but I'm just trying to figure out how that bit happened. Yeah, I'm, I'm reading it as that he's just somebody telling the audience, what, as you say, what's going on. But actually, you're right, he would never know. Because if he's in the cloud, how on earth would he know any of this? Yeah, exactly. I was, I was just thinking, am I missing something? But again, it's another one of these episode threads that that just you can't pull on them too much, or the whole thing unravels. So, so people's souls have been uploaded to the internet and on this sort of cloud thing. Obviously, we've got the cloud now, and like you see things to the cloud. Was it actually a term even ten years ago? I guess it must have been. But I think yeah, we had Dropbox. So right. <laughs> But it's a scary idea having your Wi-Fi because I've often you go into the Wi-Fi and then like there's a Wi-Fi you don't recognise or, or even worse, your neighbour's stealing your Wi-Fi. So I've had that before. Um, <laughs> and having it on the worldwide scale, they have the picture of the earth and then suddenly it turns into this shot of like all the little lines. connective, yeah, yeah, the transmissions, yeah. That was a really lovely shot, actually. And we zoom out and everyone's faces, but it reminded me of the idea it's Lantern. <laughs> Where all the faces are on the, the telly. Yeah. Oh wow, yeah. Yeah, good spot. Good spot. It does make you wonder, like, right, how long this has been going on for. 
because yeah. because there's a right. now there's a big continuity error in this um and i say continuity advisedly I, remember we talked about celia imri and how her character resolves uh-huh. right the internet has not been around that long yeah so so how I, did that yeah how did that happen to her i guess she um, i'm trying to think what happened at the end of the story now with the great intelligence and um, then he went to no because after the, the slow man he then were led to believe he had the, the great intelligence had the two adventures with patrick Troughton's doctor so he's been to tibet and he's been to the london underground yeah. and at the end of london underground he was just the floating mass in space again whatever yeah. so i can only think he's done exactly the same as he did to um dr simeon he's just been going about space and then thought oh there's I a little suppose. girl that'll just take over but yeah what on earth um, they were doing maybe had some other scheme that went wrong before getting the wi-fi i guess because because i just thought if if all of this is based around the wi-fi upload downloading then that means he must have uploaded her when she was a little girl kept that file on record downloaded an adult package to <laughs> operate the you know but then at the end she resets and like I said, the internet's not been around that long, so she he must have just used used his innate whammy on her for that to happen, yeah. I guess. Because yeah. I was just trying. Yeah, here's the other thing. Now, when um, sorry, you want to let's let's progress through the plot linearly because because I, I there was another thing with that technology that seemed like huge in scope that he could have used to his benefit because if you could edit personalities, yeah, like. You know, paranoia, courage, whatever he's got on there. You could revolutionise the mental health world. You say, "Come along, upload." Well, you won't say you upload yourself, but and I will do this, and your trauma gone, bad memories gone, and you'd get people flocking everywhere to do that. That would be massive. So, yeah. That's a plot point um, for uh, Rusty Davies, if you're listening. That's a, an idea for series uh, 16 this year. <laughs> yeah, that is a very good idea. Yeah, because folk would, uh, would have done that. You know? so, and, and and you sell it to the prison service. These people will never offend again because... Yeah, revolutionise everything, yeah. I'll do, do it, you know, if you can break people down into algorithms and edit them, you know, you know, the great intelligence, not so great. <laughs> not so great yeah <laughs> and we have a very Muffet thing where he has to he does a lot of things where there's a shot and then they put the date in the place on a landmark mm. or something and he does it here it's Cumbria 1207 and we see this little cove this lovely looking cove thing and the doctor's living as a monk in an abbey I'm assuming to mm. just get some you know some peace really and he's painting a picture of Clara and is obviously agonised over who is she who is she and these two monks come down and say, the bells of St. John, they are ringing. Yeah. Interesting place for the doctor to be. Well, I like... Well, now, again, we said this earlier, but this is another repeated idea because we, we later have a 12th doctor going on a meditative retreat in... And it's like, oh, same idea again. But what was he doing there? He did one painting. So he was not being very productive. And this is a doctor we know gets itchy feet from like the power three and all that stuff. So it just seemed like BBC have got some monk robes lying around. We've got a decent cave set. Should we use that? 
Maybe the doctor had painted more than one painting. Maybe he was selling them. Maybe he was, you know, having a, he was the artist of the Abbey. 13th century Etsy. He's invented yeah. it. But yeah, I didn't see the, the, other than to say, oh, isn't it weird that she's got a phone number that reaches back in time? What's that about? There's some foreshadowing of some kind. What was the point of this? Yeah, it's of all the places to turn up. As I say, he's went. I understand he's went there to get like solitude and all. I, I get that, but what's he? What's he having to think about? What's he? What, what you know? What I mean, he's not going to achieve anything by sitting there and precisely, wow. exactly. And, and and he's just sort of said, right, this is my mission to find her, and he goes to thirteenth century Cumbria, a, a place where, well, in fairness, he doesn't know she can't be there. That's quite, you know, but. You're sitting there, you're for some reason dressed as a monk. What that gives him, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, other than an excuse to change costumes, which is what it really is. But he's not doing anything. I mean, you're right. He may have done millions of portraits. I don't know. But what, because I, I, after the snowman, the episode just before, I mean, it's the previous version, blah, blah, blah. I would have thought, why aren't you tracking down the great intelligence to make sure that doesn't hurt anyone else? Uh, unless maybe you're right, maybe you pieced it together that he then had two adventures he had to have with the second Doctor, and so he knew that was part of his timeline. So there's that, okay. But I honestly thought, in my sort of fan head idea, why not have a thing of his phone rings and he comes running out of 221B Baker Street? Because in The Snowman, he tries to do a Sherlock Holmes and he's used to sell it. He goes, ah, I deduced this, wrong. I deduced this, wrong. So he's useless at that. So I thought, couldn't you have had him in the 19th century having detectives training? Yeah, because you, could he the, you could have met the Pat Monster gang and be the same with him. Well, yeah. Think, yeah. Yeah, you know, or, or just something. Or like he's travelling around the world meeting all the great detectives. Who knows? But it just seemed like we've got this set and we want an excuse for him to change costumes. The only other thing I can think of is that he says in the prequel that I think he's what, as I said earlier, were, that she, I've just, I just thought if I'd hang around a bit, she'd turn up. So as he just went there and thought, well, she'll just turn up eventually and yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, travel backwards no, in time. Yeah. Yeah. Then we see Clara working as a childminder for two children, Angie and Artie. Right, okay. Um, he leaves with his father and Clara tries to get her laptop to connect to the internet. These kids... Um, I'll just say right now, are absolutely hell. I hate them. They are just horrendous, especially. But that's more than. Hopefully, you don't see much of them here. You just you, they actually can be tolerable in this. But Nightmare in Silver, which is another story for another day. Oh my God! Yeah. Um, hey, if you want to form a gang hating those kids, sign me up, and I'll do Nightmare in Silver with you. We can just vent. Ah <laughs> yes. Because, because, yeah, they are, they're not as bad here. But when I saw them, the, the hairs on the back of my neck went up because it was just like, oh, God, it's them. They're terrible, aren't they? They're just... yeah. She's worse than him. Not yes, being sexist, but she is worse than him. I agree. He but, just yeah. saw his blank expression at the back and just going, oh, yeah. But she's just completely like got an attitude that just is so fake. It's just not. It's... Yeah. I wonder if she was supposed to be a mirror to Clara or if that's just the way the actor played him. Because Clara's very confident as well. I'm saying, is, is it meant to be Clara's had a, an effect on her? She's copying Clara because Clara's a bit full of herself. I don't know. 
Yeah, let's think about that for a second. Clara is is the nanny, who I think we find out is the nanny because the mother um, passed away, and so she felt it was uh, like a favour to the dad or something. Yeah. I think there was maybe, I can't remember if it's in the episode or if it was cut about how um, I think the mother helped her growing up or something. Anyway, she's got... She's, something like she was she was their, their, their nanny anyway and then she died and she doesn't abandon the people she loves is what the doctor yeah. says. Yeah. Yeah. And she's she's quite tolerable in this, in this scene. Like, she's like... I mean, she seems completely devout of any intelligence, as you see, when it comes to the internet, that surely she would know. But she puts her arm around the pillar and... Um, she seems okay. <laughs> but, um, then... You see a great shot of a forest because, of course, the monks are right. We're going to take yeah. you to the Bells of St. John, and the Bells of St. John is the TARDIS. And he's like, Why is this ringing? Look, and picks it up, and they have this conversation because she's been given that phone number we find out from a woman in a shop. Yes. Which isn't resolved for two years, I'll just say at this point. Yes. Uh, <laughs> now, do you think Moffat actually knew from that point? Because woman in the shop means nothing. That's so innocuous. He's got a big slot there to put whoever he wants in. I don't think so. I think he he maybe right, I'll put that to the side and use that later on when I've thought about what I'm going to yeah. do next year. Because it doesn't it doesn't actually add anything. There's no other continuation of oh oh it was missing and it's like well yeah so and what it doesn't th- there's no other bit to that. It's just like oh isn't it cool it was planned all along it was missing. It doesn't add anything, does it? I mean unless I've forgotten something. No, certainly no. doesn't add anything to this series. No, no, no. All to only, that series. Put, only put them together, which apparently is Missy's big thing. She wanted to put them together so that they would cause chaos together. Yeah, which okay. doesn't make sense because by putting them together, all she's done is create the continuity that was always there anyway of her going through the Doctor's life, saving him, and her being the one who. Sorry to jump ahead again, but giving him his his, his philosophy. Yeah, I think there is a huge element in this series of, like, as I say, Moffat is running on fumes I think and mm. he's just making up as he goes along quite frankly yeah well he's got three more seasons of fumes to go as well <laughs> yes I love when he says though she says am I phoning a different time zone because of course he's like you're, you're phoning 12 it's 1207 and of course she thinks it's time I, I like that line. that was a nice touch although spinning off of that I, I still and again I, I'm being picky I cannot fathom that any of the doctors especially this one wouldn't have gone I better go to the shop really quickly and check out who's got my bloody phone number, pardon my French. Wouldn't you want to know that? (laughs) He seems so obsessed with this Clara thing that I think he's not thinking straight. (laughs) As you said, it covers a multitude of sins, it does. Yeah. Yeah. And I liked how uh, he's... I don't know if many women would have liked this, but when the monk says, who is it? Is it an evil spirit? And he says... It's a woman, and he crosses himself. He crosses himself. That was a nice touch. That was. A nice, I mean, that kind of fits with with the sort of cliche of the monk. So I, I yeah, I, I like that. You'd have to walk a long way to be offended by that, but I thought it was quite good, especially when he said, "Is it a?" He says, "Is it a demon?" What is, it? is it an evil spirit? Is it an evil spirit? Yeah, and the the idea of women being evil spirits. I, I I really thought looking at that again. I know he didn't, but the look on Matt Smith's face was it was like he was trying to say worse. It's a woman kind of a thing yeah, he doesn't say yeah. it but the expression was brilliant so yeah and it's quite clever or it's a drone however we put it I, I think it's quite clever with the how the password she finds out from angie is run you clever boy and remember in capitals 
Yes. Yeah. It reminded me of um, Yana from Last of the yeah. Time Lords. It was, it was a sort of riff on that. Yeah. You are not alone. Yeah. Yeah. That was good. That was good. Yeah. The thing about this whole bit, though, is that Clara is so stupid. She doesn't take his advice. He says, pick pick the, the one you recognise. And she then, oh, well, I can't get the password down. And just clicks the other one. It's like, well, that was a bit that's of a advice. Yeah. That was a bit of a contrivance there. Just, oh, yeah, we, we've got to get her uploaded. You know, are they, you know, what I mean, I think the kids had gone, but, but wouldn't it make more sense to have one, the the the, um, the girl or the boy shout out her name and she looks the other way and goes, click. At least then it would be like, oh, it was a stupid mistake. You know, rather than, yeah, rather than, I'll click like this that. thing I don't recognise. That and it's sense. a alien symbol. Which, but, like, yeah. It would she be can't like, use the internet. Earlier, so, yeah, she can't use like, the internet in English. That? Yeah. Exactly. Well, why would you click on something you can't recognise even as a basic language if you can't understand the Wi-Fi? It's just, yeah. yeah well, she is very confident. Well, Angie then leaves and then there's a knocking at the door and it's the doctor who's mm. just like a madman. I mean, he's pretty creepy here for me. I mean, I'd slam the door in his face as well. I'd be like, who is this mad idiot who's at the door? Well, do you recognise me? Oh, and he's all like all excited because he's obviously tracked her down. Yeah. But, like... Bit of human knowledge here. Actually. That's one of the few times Clara actually does, I think, act in a human way there, because I would have slammed the door in his face as well and went, oh, whatever, you maddle. Yeah, exactly. It's, no, there's no... I mean, I get, like you said, the Olympus Doctor is very enthusiastic and he's quite childlike, but at the same time, it's like, she's not going to know who you are. You've met two of her already and they didn't recognise you. This one's not going to recognise you, but they had to do it comedically and they had to manufacture an obstacle, because otherwise, if he'd gone, hello, have you heard the good word about Time Lords? You know, <laughs> yeah, she, yeah, she wouldn't have, true. she, you know, so, so, but, but she does a complete U turn shortly after this. So, ah, uh, this whole like when he does the Doctor Who joke, I just groaned when I listen to this. Like, I, can you say it again for me? Because I like the Stephen Moffat's obsessed with this whole Doctor Who, Doctor Who, Doctor mm. Who thing. And yeah, by this point, I was just so into by all that. It's just like, for God's sake, it's the Doctor, right? We didn't need to know his name. Yeah. yeah, and it's, I mean, he was really trying to hit us over the head with the idea of, I'm going to resolve this later on, you know, because he does, because there's a sign of the Daleks where they've got the entire Dalek parliament saying Doctor Who, and he says, oh, you'll never stop asking, you know, and I, and he never does, <laughs> yeah, and he, yeah, as a one-off, okay, fine, but then he's got this again, and then in the 12th Doctor, he retcons it in that he used to call himself Doctor Who, because that's in the war machines with Wotan calling him Doctor Who. And he said, and then, and then Missy says, oh, yeah, but he dropped it because it was too pretentious or something. And it's like, no, we didn't need that. Moffat loves to exacerbate silly things you can explain away really easily and go into great detail and say, look, I'm very clever. I've explained why Wotan said Doctor Who. No one needed that. The machine was no. saying, he's the Doctor. We don't know his name. So naturally, it's going to ask who. That's the way I look at the war machines interpret it. I mean, I know yeah. there's other things later on with Doctor W and all that, but... Yeah, I, I take it as Doctor Who is required, as, as opposed to Doctor Who is required. Yeah, but. exactly, exactly. Yeah, 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 but I mean, yeah, he's <laughs> done it now. I mean, in, I mean, the one thing I, I mean, it's been ruined now. But the one thing I was very grateful to Moffat for in this vein was when he resolves the regenerations thing. The you mean the um in, in, with, the, uh, with the War Doctor the. Yeah, well, the combination of the War Doctor, which I suppose technically wasn't, but the War Doctor and um, the last 11th Doctor. 
you know, he resolves oh, yeah, that. Yeah, same as and, he, yeah. and he says, right, 12, the 11, no, this is his last one. And I suppose you can retroactively assign a lot of um, motivation to the 11th doctor because he knows he's the last one. We don't. And that's why he behaves a certain way sometimes, I guess. But that was the one time where I thought, oh, okay, Moffat has, all right, shoehorned it in by inventing another doctor, but that was a good bit. Unlike the whole Doctor Who thing, like you just said, which is a very long way around of saying it irritated me as well, which I could have saved yeah, this 10 just, minutes by saying that. Yeah, it's just, we had it for about two years or whatever it was, and now we get, again, just for her to go, Doctor Who, oh, that's great. I, I like hearing that. Like, okay. Yeah. It just makes you feel makes it look just more weird, really. If if he uh, just said it once, if she said <laughs> Doctor Who and he said, "Oh, I like hearing that," that's enough. Yeah, you must do it. That would have been. But having him say, "Say it again, say it again, say it again," it's like, yeah, we, we got it the first time. <laughs> so because she's clicked out on the internet, Alexei then at this Cloud Incorporated says to his boss, Miss Kislet, "We've got a lock on Clara Oswald," and she says, "Upload her with a computer skills package," which we. Said obviously what that's about, we don't know, and yeah. we never find out. Oh, so, yeah, yeah. sorry, I think she looks really good. I, I love the um, the symbol on her coat, I don't know if that's significant. I was looking for it for everyone else as well, yeah. I noticed that, and I was looking for it somewhere else on the screen, but I think it's just a nice, yeah, just it's not got any hidden meaning, it's just a nice brooch thing. Because I, I thought, oh, is that the great intelligence in an alien script? But it's not. <laughs> I think it's about time she was in a Doctor Who. I was delighted when I heard she was going to be in this Doctor Who. And it's a great set, this whole, like, they're all behind the desks. And, and the whole, I love the line where they're talking about um, somebody coming back from holiday and they're going to kill said, kill him and says, well, we can wait till he comes back on holiday. I'm not, you know, totally heartless. Yeah, that was a nice line. That was a very Bond villain line, but I did like it. Here, quick aside, do you not feel on some level, that we were robbed of a really great potential Rani in Celia Emery. Yes. I think she would have been almost perfect, especially if it turns out the Rani's got some weird thing about when I regenerate, I must always be a large-breasted woman. (laughs) It's just like (laughs) her thing. So the Doctor goes back in the TARDIS and he gets changed. So we've got this scene where he's he's putting, he opens this sort of box and he's putting the coats and chooses the the wrong one, Doctor, but anyway, <laughs> Juice is the, the purple one in a new bow tie, and he's got the bow tie in a box, which is lovely. And um, while that's going on, though, a mysterious girl comes down the stair. Uh, well, Clara's on the intercom wondering who's this loony who's visiting the house. And we never find out, really, we find out that it's from the book that Art is reading, and the one that's been written by Amy. Yeah. Which is a nice tie into the obviously the last series. Um, but again, the, the thing that, I'm sorry, but the thing that struck me as soon as I saw this girl come down the stairs was it's a lodger. By the girl at the top of the stairs. Yes. I oh, just... good point. I didn't think of that yet. I, I my thought was they've missed the trick not getting the girl who played young Amelia Pond to come back one more time. Because we could have gone, ah, and it would have had more kind of dramatic irony that we would have known but she wouldn't know that from Adam. You know, I've wondered why they didn't draw her on the front of the book and have it d- done that way. You know, have the young... Oh, actress, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then know. the doctor could have had a, oh, my God, Amelia, what are you doing here? And then exactly. Like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that was a mistrick. But that book reveals a twist and a half where it's the girl on the book. Because literally, I remember, what, I forgot, totally forgotten, and I watched it the other day, and I thought, 
who's the girl? Who is this? Can't remember. Yeah. And then you realise, oh, it's the girl in the book. Yeah, I mean, she did look like her, but it was a drawing rather than a photo, which obviously it had to be. But it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's just slightly convoluted way of going about things there, but yeah. And then her head rotates and it's spoon sheet. So it's this spoon head we find out it's called, which has got like, it's a computer. You can see it beeping away and all the rest of it. Um, yeah. No one ever at any point on the street goes, oh my God, that person's got a weird back of their head thing as they're walking away towards me. No one knows. <laughs> How does that work? How does that work? It's a lovely effect, but again, does not practically work. And also, how did that spoonhead get into the house? How? Good point. A very good point, actually. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to establish that can teleport, you need to establish that. But she just got into the, the top floor of the house, which means they've either got a chimney or a skylight or something. And this thing with missing that's got half a head can stealthily get across town. Yeah, because you only click that button like a minute or two ago. So there's no been enough time for one to change into the form of the girl, go up the stair, pretend that she's um, Angie's friend. Angie leaves. No, it's... Yeah. Also, it's really crap AI because all it can do is parrot back what you just said to it. Yeah. Which, if yeah. I was being really, really annoying, I could say we've seen that as well in the Doctor episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> seen that in midnight. Oh, Midnight. Yes, it was Midnight. Yes, I was thinking Midnight. I couldn't think of the name. I was thinking the Diamonds one, but yeah, the Midnight. Yeah, yeah. So, But I did like, again, I've been saying that Clara's, but I'm not a fan of her, but there is a couple of moments, like the one earlier, she's in complete terror when she's um, when she's downloading. She's like, oh, Doctor, where am I? Where am I? Yeah. And I was thinking, Jesus, another human reaction. She's mm. actually, because you would be like, where the hell am I? Because I don't know from... Their perspective, I mean, they must be, what are they in? Is it a bit like um, the villains in Superman 2, where they're like, oh, in the, up. the Phantom Zone disc, yeah. Cube, yeah. And they can't move. I mean, that's, I mean, well, otherwise... that's, that is strange, yeah, because I wondered if that's just a graphic representation, because think about it, their mind has been uploaded, which means they're not going to necessarily have any senses. They're just thought patterns. And we just see that because they have to show something so we know who it is. So maybe they're just literally disembodied thoughts. And to them, it's all darkness. They can't see anything. They can't hear anything. Okay, right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, I'm speculating, but but that seemed like that's why they think I don't know where I am. Because literally to them, all their senses have been shut off. You know, they I mean, I sh- they might not be able to, able to, it may not be able to hear their own voice even. You know, so I don't yeah. know, I'm speculating, but that would explain the terror. Because they can't literally be in a little screen. That makes no sense. You know? So, because otherwise you and I now would be going, where am I? I don't know where I am. <laughs> sort of thing, talking to each other on this, on Zoom. So, so yeah, I figure they're just disembodied thoughts, which would be terrifying. I think the graphics on the screen are good. I, I think this is really well directed, actually, this episode. There's a lot of yeah. flourishes in this. One of them is the graphics on the screen, because the Doctor, of course, manages to get in and interrupts the download and reverses it. Hmm. And... He says, not this time, Clara. Obviously, alluding to the fact that twice he tried to save a Clara and he didn't work. Hmm. And he'll send, he actually sends a message to them saying, under my protection. You know, they're shocked. But why on earth did she not get the, the guy that was trying to interrupt it? Why not just put his intelligence level up so that he, there's no way the doctor could uh, yeah. reverse it? Yeah, yeah, boost it to superhuman levels. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, the computer, the doctor is still limited by the fact that he's using a 21st century laptop. 
Yeah, so, I can only think that they thought there's no way anyone could reverse it, so she didn't bother. They're so sure. Everyone's shock uh, graphic bar was all up to the maximum. <laughs> they maximised their shock value. So, good point. Yeah, good point. They should have done that. Or better yet, have a couple of people with superhuman intelligence, you know, re repel him. So, hmm. And she goes to the like her master that we don't know who it is yet. And she, I like how she's just bathed in this white light and she's like, what was it she says? The client, she calls it. Yeah, the client. Client. You know, there's been a a development. So later that night, Clara wakes up in bed and the doctor's outside and is explaining to her that there's something in the Wi-Fi harvesting minds. So the doctor being a doc is lovely. I mean, he gets the he puts her on the, the couch or the bed. Hmm. Jammy Dodgers are out snipping the Jammy Dodgers. He puts flowers in water. There, I like all that. Is mm. and he sees this leaf in the book, a thousand places to go. Hundred one places you've never been. Hundred one places you've ever been. And he and the typical doctor thing, he licks it. He's like, yes. why have you got a wee leaf? Which, yeah. well, I wish we found out why she's got a leaf in the next episode. But that's another story because I mm. didn't get the leaf thing whatsoever. I'm not pro leaf <laughs> in that episode. I just don't get it. But yeah, this leaf that means a lot to us in the book. Do you think he actually got anything from that licking the leaf thing? Do you think he deduced anything or he's, he's time and all senses told him anything? Or do you think it was just... I just wanted, think a quirk thing. I just, just a quirk thing. You know what? I've got to say this, though. The Lymph Doctor's hygiene is shocking. You do not eat half a biscuit and put that half a biscuit back on the plate. You don't do <laughs> that. Sorry. No. Maybe I'm being very English now, but you just do not do that. Okay? Eat the whole thing. Wrap it in a handkerchief. Put it in your pocket. I don't care. But you do not put half a biscuit back. I'm sorry. I agreed. They're talking from he she opens the window and so it's a nice variation rather than just having two people speaking or coming out on the landing and they're both speaking on the same level. I like how the director's got her going out the top window and he's on the ground and they have this sort of looking up, looking down thing. It's a kind of Romeo and Juliet esque. Yeah. Yeah. Thing. But and he says he invited the quarter cycle. We she never see. We never see that. No. I was really hoping that when he comes out of the TARDIS later on to go up the, the shard, it's on the quadricycle. But it wasn't. It was a regular motorcycle. So yeah. whatever it is, don't know. Don't know what it is. Really wanted to see the quadricycle at some point. Or have some reference of, oh, yeah, we've crashed the quadricycle. Something. But, yeah, it gets left alone. But this bit I found a bit strange because she does a complete U-turn on her attitude towards him now. Yes, she does. Yeah. She goes from, right, you're a bit of a loony to, oh, you put me to bed. Oh, there's, you've got a, a robot thing beside you. Oh, and it's just like, okay. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. I'll, okay. Now, you could do a bit of a mental hula here and say the upload download thing has adjusted her ability to adapt to things. Maybe now she's, with the with the computer bit, she's also got the package of not phased by aliens skill set <laughs> dubbed in as well. I don't know. It's the only thing I can see to make sense because okay, not I know it's Doctor Who, so I don't want to get off piste, but she wakes up on her bed. All right, she's fully clothed and everything, but she's not slightly freaked out by the fact that okay, clearly he has picked her up. He has put his hands on her, put her in bed, done all this stuff, and she seems completely okay. That's fine. You know, you've been in my room, in my house, blah, blah, blah. I'm not remotely affected by this at all. You know, I know she doesn't She doesn't know who the doctor is, so she doesn't know she can trust him yet. I think 
I would be a bit freaked out by that and a bit worried that something had happened to me. I think any human being would be and should be, but yeah. again, she's not. She's just, she's, uh, there's no personality with her reactions. It's just, all right, okay. Yeah, you've done yeah. that. Great. Thanks for that. She's got a nice smile, but that's better for me. Yeah. And then she goes to overtly fancy him. She's like, oh, I better come down. And it's like, that was, and she does it, I think, I think, in a flirty way. The way she yeah. says, I better come down. You're not going to come up to my room. Oh, I better come down then. That's pursuit. Isn't it? Yeah. I think so. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So very, very strange. Again, maybe the upload download thing affected her. Who knows? I don't know. But I'm kind of with you on this, to be honest. Isn't that basically Twitter's a nice line? It's like you yeah. try to explain things. and Yeah. And then we see these creepy men. So we see like the whole street lights up. And then these, some guy on the corner just looks really creepy and is a spoonhead man. But as you say, nobody ever looks at the window. Nobody ever thinks, who's that strange man on the street corner? I think yeah. we're led to believe that they've taken over everyone in the street, which would be quite amazing in the terms of everyone's clicked that symbol in that street. Hmm. does seem a wee bit suspicious. I mean, let's put it this way. If you were told tomorrow, you've not seen this episode in this, in this reality, so tomorrow you get told you can have super mega fast Wi-Fi for free. You just click on this and log in and you get it and boom. Would you do it or not? That's the question. Because remember, that guy who gives us the warning at the start of the episode isn't warning anyone in the real world. So no one's been yeah. warned. So, and the Wi-Fi is pretty ubiquitous in the West, at least. So you could argue that everyone has been uploaded and downloaded very easily. Or you could argue it is a bit suspicious because... Let's put it this way. You're going to get at least a couple of old folk in that street who are going to go, Wi-Fi? Oh, I don't know this symbol. I'm not going to click on that. So yeah. everyone, you're right. I think everyone is a bit. But it's a very good way of showing horror. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's creepy, yeah. yeah. Then comes the bit that... Another bit I don't understand. A plane comes towards them. Hmm. What was the intelligence going to do with this plane? Was it going to pick them up? Was it was it going to just bash into the house and just make sure the doctor gets killed? I, I didn't understand what the plane was, was going to do. Well, I mean, do does they don't overtly say they're trying going to try and kill the doctor, do they? No, they just kind of say like we want her uploaded, and we've got the spoonheads here. Why did they need a plane? Scared them? Yeah. Uh, well, maybe, I mean, maybe it was kind of a bluff. Maybe the plane was just going to, like, swoop over them really close and scare them <laughs> just to try and paralyse them with fear and then the spoonheads would get them. I don't know. It made no sense. Unless you're overtly trying to kill the doctor, which I don't think they said they were going to do, it doesn't make any sense. It really doesn't. And also, I mean, right, it's 2013, so you can get away with that at that point, I suppose. But it was a wee bit of a... Again, not to get overly political, but 9-11 was not that long ago. And I just feel like, is that insensitive or not? It, it didn't bother me, and it still doesn't. But No, it didn't bother me, but I know what you're saying, yeah. You know? I mean, because you could have used almost anything. Oh, and remember in the Zygon 2 part later on, the water plane. I mean, that was... <laughs> that's yeah, a, that's true. Saying, yeah, it's... That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, get, I mean, this plane made no sense. No, and it was a massive plane as well. It was an airliner thing. So so there's no, it's not like it's, like if it had been 
uh, a small two-person plane, you might have had a point because you could have had them like, you know, buzz them and stuff like that. And or even if you're going to crash it, you could crash it into a house and you could have taken out a house. But this is the whole street gone with that size of that thing. So it's yeah, very odd, very odd. Don't really understand it. But given that it doesn't crash, I suppose we don't need to. <laughs> Just move along is basically the question, the uh, statement there, I think. So he goes in the TARDIS. I've noticed that he left the robot there, um, which I assume gets picked up later on or something. And her reaction is like, oh, and he says, yeah, bigger on the inside, etc., etc., etc. And at least she shows some sort of big eye yes. wonder. And that was a nice tracking shot. Yeah. Of them going up and down the columns and bits in the TARDIS. And then we continue the shot and we're on the cockpit of the plane. Well, the, the alleyway yeah. of the plane. Yeah. And she still, as you say, got the cup in her hand, which is a really nice touch. Yeah. And the doctor prevents the plane from crashing. So they took over the plane, but just put everyone unconscious somehow. Yeah. So how did... Yeah. So it's crashing because everyone's asleep. So they didn't, didn't take over the pilot's brain to pilot it into anything. So it was a bit of a crapshoot. Yeah, it just doesn't make any sense, does it? Like... like yeah, I don't get it. <laughs> no, it, it doesn't. Because throughout the whole episode, people are being taken over by this thing. And in this particular instance, it doesn't take... Even though there's Wi-Fi on the plane that the Doctor mentions, it doesn't take over anyone's brain. It just makes everyone fall asleep at the right moment for it to crash into the Doctor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. More than a bit flimsy there. More than a bit flimsy. It would have made more sense if you had one... Everyone else was unconscious and the pilot had been taken over. That would, that would have been said, yeah. Because yeah. this Even, pilot is after them somehow or something. Yeah, exactly, yeah. I, mm. So they managed to stop the plane crashing, thankfully, and then everyone sort of wakes up, and I'm assuming then the plane goes to wherever they need it to go. And then he lands at Loudoun, London's South Bank mm. and comes out with the motorbike. And it's got, they go through London with him and Clara on the back. Um, but they're observed by, obviously, this cloud this, this cloud um, company have got mobile phones and CCTV so they've hacked into the CCTV and mm. the mobile phone network mm. so would everyone, so is everyone on a mobile phone on that Wi-Fi? I, uh, yeah yeah, because this thing is either everywhere or it's nowhere depending on what the plot requires and it's it's very lopsided so, um, and, and also you wouldn't really need the mobile phone pictures if you've got cctv not in london it's one of the most if not the most surveilled cities in the entire world i think only flipping east germany have more people spying on everyone else so yeah i don't quite know why they're relying on people going taking pictures very odd the, the doctor is really charming though when he comes out the tardis and he's acting like a magician and taking tips uh, in his face I like that. Yeah. That's the that's the doctor I really like when it's when when Matt Swift's doctor when he's doing like little things like that. Um, yeah, nice bit of improv there. Yeah. 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 And he looks really cool riding the bike. Yeah, remarkably so, which is kind of contrary to his character, really. But yeah. It's really weird because strangely, I'm wearing the purple suit seems to fit that. It, just when you see him with the helmet on, it's weird. As I said, I'm not a big fan of the outfit, but it seems to work when I'm wearing the I don't know why, but Mm. It just seems to work when he's got the helmet on and he's riding through London on this bike. <laughs> Don't yeah, know why. Yeah. And the shots are really good. Like we we got All the bike shots, shots and high shots. And, oh yeah, yeah. Very true. Very true. 
I do love London. So many cameras, as Miss Kizzler Yeah, yeah. It really, it, it kind of, I mean, as a sort of citizen of London, it, it was really spooky to think that if someone, well, I'm not sure someone isn't doing that, but the idea, it really is a bit of a big brother town. It really is. So, yeah, it's, uh, you, you, it would not, it would not take two seconds to find someone in London. If you if you could hack into all the CCTV, you'd find you'd find them with the right bit of AI software. Boom! So it was nice yeah, to see that yeah. a, a bit of true real life horror, if you like. So, and Clara says he says to her about being an alien while he's on the when they're on the bike, and she just sort of goes, "Yeah, that's all right." Yeah, that was again upload. We've touched on it throughout. Yeah, like I said, when but, when when he, when he tells when, when the ninth doctor says to Rose, "I'm an alien," is that all right? She says yes, but in a very like I'm scared kind of a way. So it doesn't need to be a huge reaction, but you need to show you've reacted. Yeah. She just doesn't. No. <laughs> She's not a normal human being for me. It's just it's yeah. weird. The daughter yeah. Clara have breakfast on a rooftop cafe then, and then Clara offers to find the location because we find out at this point she's got the hacking skills because she's got this computer stuff still in her head. For some reason. For some reason. And the doctor goes and fetches coffee. I mean, they fight over. I like the fight over the laptop. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, I can do it. No, no, I can do it. Yeah. And he says she's got. He's got twenty-seven brains, which is an interesting thing. If a time has got twenty-seven brains, <laughs> quite interesting. And I love his dad dancing. This whole like. Oh, she's she doing young things with young people. She, you yeah. know, she's doing young things with young people. And he does this dad's thing, which is one of the most used memes I noticed on Twitter. Yeah, and she's and, and she flirts with him. She flirts with him and says, I can't remember what she says. Not I'll be the judge of that. What does she say? She says something that was very overtly flirty, which he just sails over his head. I can't remember what she says, but I know what you mean. She did say something, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, young things with young people. Yeah, something about him coming on to her. But anyway, yeah. Yeah. But the latest doctor does work with this whole young man and old... Yeah. Old man, young body. Yeah, old man and young body thing. Hmm. It's a... it's a brilliant conceit. He does it. I'm trying to think if any of the other doctors have done it better, and I don't think any of them have really. You get it in um, Frontiers, possibly with Peter Davison's doctor, but it's not sort of touched on enough for me. I always thought of him as an old man in an old man's body, but you're right, he was. When I think of Peter Davison, he projects <laughs> old so well that I actually keep thinking he when he was when he was extant, when he was the doctor, he just he was young. It's just a weird thing in my head, but you're right, you're right. It's, it's true. In front of he does do that really well. But the fifth doctor doesn't get to do it all the way through his run, does he, really? That's the thing, yeah. yeah. I don't yeah. think enough of the writers touch on it. Yeah. And the funny thing is, when you watch his first episode, when he does, when he's having the regeneration trauma and he does the impressions of all the other doctors, his heart and always bang on. It's a very good yeah. heart and all. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. The doctor's not very wise for me, leaving Clara out. I, I mean, she's outside and all right, she's surrounded by people, but. He just said a minute before that they'll know where we are now and, and they'll be tracking us down. And then he leaves her to go and get a coffee and a scone. I mean... Yeah, it's a real plot contrivance, that one. It really is. I mean, apart from anything else, put your hand up and ask for a waiter. It's London. Chances are there'll be a waiter. Correct. Right. Yeah. Very but strange. He's got very bad etiquette, as you said earlier again. He smells the cake. He's going to eat the scone, but he's not even mm. paid for anything. But I do like this whole eerie bit where people are taking over and they're talking. Mm. She's talking through the people in the cafe, and the bit where the woman goes, "Are you all right, sir?" Because he's right in her face because he thinks yes. he's talking great intelligence. And then she gets her Turns consciousness off. back yeah. and is like, "What are you doing? Get you my way, you creep!" 
here's the other thing. If the great intelligence can do that, why doesn't the great intelligence take over a bunch of unit soldiers, coppers, anyone, arm them and have them go and be there? And yeah, if it can switch to anyone, it can see him wherever he is. It shouldn't be that difficult. I mean, I feel like I'm, I feel like it's either a massive plot hole or I'm overlooking something really important. I just didn't see that explains it all, but yeah. The doctor's anger. Now, do you think Matt Smith is good at doing anger? I, in A Good Man Goes to War, when he says anger, that's new. I like that bit. I did as well, yeah. I, I don't, I don't dislike it. It's just Matt Smith is just, he exudes likability. So when he is angry, I'm always a bit unsure. It's like it doesn't fit his face, which might be the effect he's going for. I don't know. Yeah, I just, yeah, he's a bit like McCoy. In one of, well, I'll say, in fact, I'll take that back. McCoy in some instances, because in some of the audios, he can do anger very well, but in others, yeah. he's completely like all over the place. Mm. But yeah, with Matt Smith, I'm just not convinced with mm. his anger. But I think that's a good point, though, about that he's just he's a very likable guy. So having him turn into this angry, vengeful person, um, well, I guess what I'm getting at is he can't do anger like Paulie does, for example. No, he's so good at he's very good at anger. He's very yeah, and I agree with you on the Seventh Doctor as well because in whenever I think of Sylvester McCoy's Seventh Doctor doing anger, I always think back to uh, actually I was thinking evil, of, evil says a dawn of time. If, I was actually thinking of um, uh, Battlefield. Oh, where, yeah. <laughs> at the end where he goes, tell me! And that just makes me laugh. It's, yeah. On audio, I think that would have worked. But he's, Sylvester McCoy, I feel like, is like Matt Smith in that they're very likeable. So they're not good at anger, just genuinely. So, uh, yeah, I, I liked it in Good Man Goes to War because it was the first time. And so it had the novelty value. In this, it's a bit touchy-touchy. Yeah, here it's just when he's saying like I will find you and all that, and it's it, I'm trying to do like the like the Liam Neeson thing. Yeah, I was taken. And, yeah, and was taken out like, by this time. It must have been. Yeah, taken must have uh, been. Oh, I don't know. Must yeah, have been it was. Surely, it was yeah. the first one. Was yeah. But it, he's not quite Liam Neeson in that scene for no, me on this when he's no. trying to, when he's basically saying I'm going to bring you down and all that. Clara's found him in the shard. So. What a surprise! We've got the shard right behind her, and we mm. see the shard, which of course mm. is just—it's almost like the post office tower in the war machines, like the news, because that was not long there, there long, was it? No, no. That was quite a new building at the, at the time. And unfortunately, the doctor comes out and says, "Right," and starts repeating words, and it's not the doctor; it's a spoonhead doctor. So, yeah. what is it, so is that a spoonhead that has turned itself into the doctor? Yeah. That's what I would, yeah, some of the things just aren't really consistent with me because oh, I've, I've given up trying to figure yeah. this plot out, to be honest. But yeah, it, how the earth is there a spoonhead doctor? And also, where did it come from? Again, once again, where did it come from? Yeah, is it just taken over somebody and then turned? I don't know. I, hmm. <laughs> but the spoonhead doctor turns around and they do upload Clara this time. Because hmm. Alexa, Alexa, Alexi. <laughs> Detects Clara's hacking, and Mailer says to Kislet, "We've got a problem." But then they manage to upload her, and she's in the so she's in the cloud now. But he's a right bastard. He says, "Will we pulp her or keep her as a hostage?" 
for, for somebody that they're just uploaded to the cloud... The trouble they went to. The club we went to, but I think by this point, they know the doctor's involved, isn't it? So, hmm. has she said yet to... Aye, she said to the, the, the client, hasn't yeah. she? The doctor's here, the doctor's involved. Or has she? I think, I think she has by this point. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, I yeah, can understand yeah. it now, but... Yeah, they went to a lot of things to get just random women to just click the the button on the internet. Yeah, I know, I know. I, I didn't really understand that as a... Yeah, and, and look, why not... Why, why not, not go after the doctor? Yeah, exactly. And and have like loads of Clara Spoonheads to confuse him as well. If you're gonna if you're gonna use that that tactic, you know. But yeah, it was a very weird thing. Uh, there's also the fact that that there's a sort of spinning up. Well, no, let's 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 go through the plot because there's a there's a technological element to this. I, I don't know why it didn't go further, but let's let's. I don't want to jump ahead too much. Okay, um, so. The real doctor comes out, realizes that she's been taken over. Again, that thing's just left there, so nobody sees it, nobody reacts. I don't know what's going on. Oh no! Well, I say, there are there are these spoonheads do not self-destruct at the end. They are there, which means that very sophisticated AI in terms of mobility robots are lying around dormant that can project imperceptibly good holograms. Apart from actually just got the back of their head, that are lying there. They, I mean, I don't know how many they made, but it must be a few of them. Ah, and, Luna, it'll, unit will be on a cleanup operation, and they'll. I just feel like that 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 would have been something to follow up on. Like there's all these surplus robots that can do nasty things lying there. That you know, yeah, strange, so gets, strange plotted. So the doctor's obviously really angry at this point, and gets on, or well, we think it's the doctor, but it's the doctor, mm. and he gets on the bike, and he's going like a maniac. I think he's breaking the speed limit by looks it on how he he was able to do that for London. I don't know, but maybe the cameras mm. just sped up. But it looks like he's breaking the speed limit, and he goes up and he's away towards the shard because he knows that they're in the shard. Mm. And we pass this guy, this bit where he's got fish and chips. This guy, yes, she talks through him. Oh dear lord! And, and I, I find that really, I find that really funny because he's obviously it's, he's talking with trying to be Samuel Emery's yeah. voice, and it's quite funny. She couldn't have picked someone who didn't have a mouthful of food. I mean, so uncouth. <laughs> Although I did like. This is the one time I did like the fact they went to the trouble of establishing that the, the doctor is safety conscious, so he wears a helmet, which means we can't tell it's a spoonhead. That was a nice touch. That was a good, nice touch, yeah. And he goes up the shard, so he's got an anti-grav thing. Anti-grav. Yeah, he, he does foreshadow this because he mentions to someone at some point earlier that he rode this bike in the anti-grav Olympics in 2017. Yes, he did, yeah. So they do they do foreshadow that, which was which so was he's nice. not going at the building and going up the lift. He's like, sod this, I'm gonna go right up and just get right in their faces. Goes up and smashes through the window. And <laughs> Miss Kislet says, Oh, good evening or something. <laughs> mm. And he says, Sorry about the draft. <laughs> very James Bond. Yes. Very James Bond wordplay with a very James Bond-esque villainess. And he looks very sort of comical, I think, when he's trying to Push her. He's still. I don't know what it is. It's something about where I'm having the helmet on and trying to really like say, right, you know, where is she? Yeah. He just looks very comical because he's got the helmet on. Yeah, it's true. It does deflate his, his gravitas a, a fair bit. Yeah. So, so this next bit, I'll be interested to see what you think about this next bit. So the doctor, it turns out, isn't the doctor. It's the spoonhead doctor because the real doctor's at the cafe, controlling the spoonhead doctor, somehow. So mm. he's hacked into that. Spoonhead and got to work for him, essentially. 
Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uploads Kislet. Mm-hmm. No, Kislet's uploaded because she's right. Okay, I'm, <laughs> I'm looking at my. So the doctor well. said, yeah. yeah, the doctor says you've got to put everyone back now. Yes. She says no. He says I'm going to give you a motivation by uploading her. Mm-hmm. She has to demand, put me back. We can't put everyone. We can't put you back without putting everyone back. Which is the worst design in the world? Yes. Good. Exactly. Because like why on earth would you not be able to just download one person and upload one person? And the doctor's already proven you can do that. And the doctor's already done that. So that's all the nonsense that you need to download the whole cloud just to get her back. Yeah. And aren't you essentially, if you're editing people, aren't you essentially downloading people back all the time? Yes. So doesn't make a whole mess of sense, that bit. Very neat, um, quick resolution of the plot, which clearly Moffat went, whoops. The only thing that could have been worse than that is if he just pointed the sonic screwdriver and then it just done it itself. And uh, that, that. I, I was worried he was going to do that. <laughs> I really was genuinely worried he was going to do that. I'm glad Kislet he didn't. Is, well. But Kislet is properly scared. I mean, she is terrified getting uploaded. Mm. Like, and sees the head turn around very slowly and she's totally oh. like on her knees like, oh my God, yeah. Um, yeah, lucky she didn't think, oh, I'll duck or close my eyes or move. <laughs> Very lucky. And we have the reverse shot of the faces disappearing and then the shot back to Earth. Instead of having all the connections, it goes back to just looking mm. like the Earth. Um, because the Wi-Fi is now being turned off, essentially. Mm. But yeah, so at that point, because Richard E. Grant, the great intelligence, yeah, I think I've jumped. Oh, well, so, we, we mentioned that in our earlier discussion where he says, it's, I've got to go, it's time to downsize. Yes, that's before she gets downloaded, isn't it? No, that's afterwards because she gets downloaded back to her body and then she goes to the great intelligence and he says, it's time to go. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah so everyone's downloaded, um, right, downloaded back and because she's been taken over since she was a girl, she completely, the unit comes in, storms the place, Nobody knows who they are. Well, how did they get here? Like we said earlier, about the guy who said he was coming in to get the Clean bins the or something. Clean, Clean the toilets. toilets. Yeah. <laughs> and I do like, it's, it was clever though, saying factory settings. Yes. It's like, yes. Just like, obviously, like people can relate to that on their computer and so on. Yeah. But her performance as a kid, oh my God, is really so well played. Yeah. So well played. Um, Re- yeah. She yeah. reminded me of, she, uh, you know what, as a callback, Reminded me of the black Dalek commander from Remembrance of the Daleks. That was the little girl. Yes. Very yeah. similar vibe. Very similar vibe. How did Unit clear this up, though? Because the Great Intelligence has just said, aye, bye. So again, it's just floating in space and... <laughs> Where it's does... like... Yeah. Where does he go? For one thing. That's what I want to know. And like like you said, we've got... there this. He does not take the technology with him. No. That, that is technology. That is hardware. That is lying there that unit must have taken. There are a bunch of robots lying around the place with this hologrammatic technology that's lying around. All these people who are going to have, ma- I assume, massive amounts of PTSD. You know? I mean, what happens to Celia Imre? I mean, that's, that's a haunting thought just generally. But, like, yeah. Yeah, she's got the mind of a child and the body of a woman. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, there are some massive repercussions that do not get touched, which I know happens in Doctor Who, but this is a worldwide thing. 
I wonder if anyone, I, I asked this after most episodes, I wonder if there's been some fan fiction or somebody will, or there'll be an audio or a book somewhere or somebody will, will follow up, you know. I'm some amazed point. no one's done it with this one because as far as I know, I listen to a lot of Big Finish and I can't think of a single thing that's followed up on this. And there's so much either. to do. I can't either. I, yes. I mean, and, and Big Finish do have the rights to the great intelligence, I think, because it's all part of the classic Who package and the new Who package. So, yeah, a bit of a surprise that. Bit of a surprise. But yeah, so many things to follow up on, on this. I might actually do it in my role playing game now. This has given me so many ideas of what I could, <laughs> what I could do with it. So, we go back to Clara's house, or rather the Neatland's house, and he offers her the chance to join the TARDIS. So, we have this. Yeah, so it starts where um, he's reading a book at the TARDIS. And says, and he even says, you don't seem like a nanny. I mean, I, I wrote down at this point, she doesn't seem like a human, but okay. Uh, <laughs> but she doesn't seem like a nanny. And then he leaps down and says, right, you know, fancy coming with me. And she does this whole, come back tomorrow. Why? Yeah. What's all this about? Yeah, and she says, tomorrow I might say yes. And yeah, go on, sorry. Doing she just seems to um no that's fine um she just seems to talk in riddles like he says well what was the leaf about she says it's page one what's that supposed to mean uh, i think she was referring to it's page one of my parents relationship i suppose but it's a very oblique reference point plus oh i just sorry i just saw the seventh doctor picture on your wall oh yeah 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 i've got um fantastic uh, there, yeah. but but the thing is okay I, I did a bit of mental hula. I thought she's trying to be flirty. And, playing hard to get then. But yeah, maybe she's playing hard to get. She wants to keep, you know, keep him keen because she clearly fancies him at this point. I think it's, I think it's fair to say she fancies him on some level. She doesn't want to appear too enthusiastic, shall we say, you know. Um, and I also thought, okay, She's not seen it travel in time. She's not seen that. So she can't speak to whether that's true or not, but she knows it can do fantastic things. Maybe she's, I just thought maybe she's just really, really tired. Maybe she's, she's had an incredibly affecting day and maybe okay. she wants, and we don't get a scene of this. So I'm giving credit where maybe it's not true. I don't know, but maybe she's thinking, right. One, I don't want to appear too keen because I flirted with him and he's not responded. So I want to keep that going. And two, she's been through so much that day. Maybe she wants to go back to her room and just have a bit of, I mean, I don't mean to sound sexist, but have a bit of a cry, have a bit of a uh, process sit, what's happened. Yeah. yeah. Have a shake, sit there and shake for a bit. You know, she needs to process it. And she's thinking, and, and, and possibly she's going to go to sleep and, th and wake up and think, was that a dream? I don't know. I'm giving, I mean, I'm, like I said, I'm doing a big mental hula for that. But at the same time, it would kind of lend her a bit more humanity, which seems to be lacking a bit so yeah, far. Because the next time we see her at the start of the next episode, he's taken her to her first planet. Yeah. So she's obviously in between said, yeah, I'll travel with you. And they go in. And I'm assuming, unless there's been some missing story or something, that is the first trip she has in yeah. terms of going out with well, a companion. Wait until Big Finish gets hold of it, and then yeah, and then there'll be a hundred and one million yeah. things. Um, yeah, and this this episode ends on this nice big close up, and he says, "Right, Clara Oswald, time to find out who you are." And the camera pans up, and we just see the top of the spinning yeah. bit, the TARDIS, which we didn't see enough of actually. We didn't see enough. No, of the, the TARDIS really well, yeah. Because for me, that's the. I mean, it looks better if I can compete the Baldi's time. That's my favourite TARDIS. Yeah, it just looks yeah, amazing. no, it's lovely. It is lovely. Um, 
Yeah, and I don't get why the next episode, you could have literally, I mean, they put in a whole thing for the leaf. Not, okay, I get why they did that. But but why didn't they just end the episode with him setting the coordinates for tomorrow, doing the tie, and then the next episode opens, literally as a continuous shot from the last episode of him traveling forwards to tomorrow and picking her up straight away. I thought that would have been a nice wibbly-wobbly touch. Yeah, you like know? they did in the, the end of Rose, and then it started at the end of the, 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 the world, the end of the world. Yes. Is the, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, yeah, so, like I said, yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I think part of it, I just think, is they wanted to do something different. Moffat didn't want, wanted to have a companion not instantly go, yes, okay. Which I kind of get, but like, but like you were saying, it's bit, she does it in a really weird way, you know, like part flirting, part. All it would have taken is two seconds of her like having a bit of a shake or going, oh, you know, just breathing out heavily. Yeah, they could have done anything. They could have had her going out the TARDIS door and then just having a, a sigh, even. We yeah. Have went, yeah. And then just looking thoughtful or something. Yeah. You could have even had her hugging those two kids really tightly as a sort of anchor to I'm back home and this is normal. Not that I wanted that, but, you know, you know preferring our options. Yeah. I mean, it, it makes you think how much it was the actor and how much it was the script because I don't know. I, I, maybe I'm. Maybe I'm being a bit big heated here, but those sort of things would occur to you, surely, as an actor. That you would think, well, shouldn't you she would be think. reacting? Shouldn't? Yeah, I, I... yeah, yeah. Because you can't explain it all away by saying she's the impossible girl. That just doesn't fly. Yeah, you could have even have just had as she turns away from the doctor to face away from him, walking out of the TARDIS door, zoom in on her face and have her face like show reaction there, shock, exhaustion, whatever. Just for a second would have done. Unfortunately, we didn't, and she just, yeah, he's like, it's time to find out who you are, and the plot device comes back next week. Yeah, 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 we've got a few more episodes of this to go, yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting idea for an arc, but played in a very odd way. There was two scenes I found out that were cut out, that were filmed and cut out. The first one was, um, I asked where he got the bike from, and he said, a gift from Henry the Ninth. I say gift, he said asleep, he was trapped under a piano. <laughs> so we nicked the bike basically nice nice and this, oh. this is the bike scene sorry so we get Henry the Ninth by 2074 then nice apparently so yeah that's a lot of Henry's to go through oh no it's not it's only one more sorry I'm talking rubbish there's only one more Henry I'm talking rubbish the bike scene that was cut out there was a scene in the TARDIS cut prior to the closing sequence of the Doctor and Clara at the Maitlands so the TARDIS apparently is in semi-darkness and the Doctor is staring at a Victorian family shot of Clara as a governess. Using his sonic, he changes the shot to an identity card for Oswin Oswald, junior entertainment manager aboard Starship Alaska. Mm. He flicks between the two of them when the phone in the box in the door rings again, and he answers it, and he says, Hello, Clara, hello, who is this? Take her, whispered the female voice. Take who? Trust her and take her. Take who? Where? Clara? Take her, repeated the voice. Who am I speaking to? How did you phone this phone? Because it's actually just a phone. Uh, no, it's been a right bugger of this rendition. However, it isn't actually a phone. I don't know who Clara is. I don't understand her. I met her three times. Twice she died. The same woman, three times. Not possible. If you understand that, you explain that to me now. Silence. And then the female voice said, trust her. And the line went dead. And then the doctor's left alone, troubled and uncertain. Mm. So, 
I mean, we said earlier about whether he knew it was Missy. I, I think he, I'm not convinced that he probably knew, maybe, well, maybe he did. But he certainly was putting stuff in that's, that this was going to hopefully pay off later, but then they cut it out. It's very on the nose, that cutscene. Yeah. You know. I mean, to be honest, given how little it affected Missy and everything, I would have preferred that they retconned it in that it was the 13th Doctor calling her, calling her past self. That would have made more sense to me, to be honest, because I don't see what Missy gets from this at all. Yeah. We know Missy's absolutely batshit crazy. But yeah, our our plots are batshit crazy, mm. quite honestly. I think the master is simply insane. Yeah. Because as you say, it does not make any. It's one of these master schemes that just is doesn't make sense. No, not at all. You know what? It would have made more sense. I really thought it was going to be River Song. That would have made ah, sense okay. if River Song had been making the phone calls. It makes total sense. Yeah, because she's saying you're meant to be with her, and yeah. like, I'm going to nudge them. Yeah, 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 yeah. Especially seeing as River Song at this point is a or will be, funnily enough, an uploaded human brain. So it would have yeah. made sense that she interferes with the Great Intelligence's plot to do the same thing that happened to her, but in an evil way. Yeah, yeah you know. Like that. So yeah. there's a thematic resonance as well. Plus, you can also say. When the doctor realizes what's going on, he says, Ah, okay, this is the technology that will eventually become the great library. <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> Instead he didn't put it in and then it's just yeah. I'd yeah. like to have seen that scene. I don't know. I don't think it's on the, the Blu-ray. No, it's not. I, I know they filmed it, so fuck it, put it on. I'd like to have seen that. Yeah, I'm gonna have another look on my Blu-ray disc after I this. Don't think it's I don't on think it. it's on there. I no. don't think it is. But that, wouldn't that make perfect sense? You make his river song and she's making sure destiny corrects itself so that the evil influence of the great intelligence is purged from this technology that will eventually be used in a benevolent way. You know? Yes. Yeah. I feel like that. That works so much better. We have really, you know what? Between the two of us, we've really improved this episode that. I think we have. Yeah. Yeah. Final thoughts on the Bells of St. John. I liked it, but I liked it for fairly flimsy reasons. I liked it because Matt Smith's really good in it. I liked it because Celia Rimry's really good in it. There are some nice, there's some, as you said, some very nice direction and photography in it. But the plot really does not hold together. It's like it needed, like you said, I think another draft. And it needed to resolve some of the ideas. It had some great ideas that just went... Or, or nowhere, <laughs> if I can translate into actual words. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I I wouldn't use it to introduce anyone to Doctor Who. But no, I wouldn't either. I wouldn't say avoid it either. No, I don't think it's it's a. I just find it just average for me. I, I don't. I wasn't excited by it. Um, mm. I think it looks great. I think it's very directed very well. It's quite inventive the direction. But as I've said, the whole last two and a half hours it's just something off for me it just doesn't yeah it's not it's missing something for me what what's odd is that this is going to sound like a really weird thing to, to way to put it but it's brilliant in every single way except the execution yeah essentially yeah because the, the plot is as we've said just it's got so many holes in it mm. or holes that aren't explained and 
there's, but as you say, all the elements are there. There you've got a, a good actress playing the villain. Mm. Uh, you've got um, a good. You've got the setting of the shard, obviously, which is a big thing mm. in this. You've got the, you've got the doctor with a new companion, which should be exciting. You've got you've got all the elements there, but it just doesn't click for me. Yeah, yeah. So many good ideas, almost becoming brilliant and being left fallow. So, yeah, big finish. Follow up on this, please. <laughs> Stick out woman. Uh, right. So it's it's kind of a tie between okay. Celia Imry being revealed as a little girl trapped in, an, in a woman's body who was taken ages ago. In terms of pure acting and pure plot development, that's my favourite by a country mile. But in terms of whiz bang, I do like the bike going up the shard. I do. So, yeah, that's it, really. I mine. thought I thought you'd have the kids. More, <laughs> that's the obvious one, isn't it? They, they, similarly, Celia Emery turning turning into a kid. So I deliberately thought of something else, just in case you said that. Um, I like the bit where he's actually he comes at the TARDIS and he's like, "Oh, hello, yes, thank you very much." And he's like the magician with his face. Amazingly, he, he doesn't do that very often. It was a really logical thing to do, which is great because this episode has got almost no logic to it. So having that logical thread is great. Yeah, because this TARDIS has just appeared and he makes out, yeah. oh, my magician in my box just appeared. Yeah, yeah. So there was a that. nice reference to the Earl's Court fiasco as well, which I thought was a nice touch. So for people who aren't aware of what that is, there is a blue police box replica thing in Earl's Court that looks like the TARDIS. And so that was what the joke was, that they'd mistaken the fake one for the real one. So for people who weren't aware of that. Well, thank you very much, Ryan. That's uh, It's been a joy talking about the Bells of St. John. And I think we've got a better... We've, scripted a better episode than what we what we watched personally but yeah yeah no i know thank you very much for having me it's been it's been great fun it's been brilliant you know what i think it, it, it stands out how much fun it was because this is quite an average episode and i've had such a whale of a time talking about it ah oh, glad you've had a good time I've, I've enjoyed myself talking to you about it yeah 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 well i mean yeah let, i mean hopefully we'll do it again as well in the future oh yeah yeah I, if you're up for another one i'll I will be in touch. Like I said, pencil me in for Nightmare in Silver so we can... Uh... Oh, if that comes out, it's yours. Because I don't <laughs> think anyone else... <laughs> no one else will want it, but I feel like I feel like we've got a groove now of tackling the episodes and <laughs> dissecting them and improving them. So, Where can listeners uh, find you, Ryan? Right, well, I uh, write, run and produce a podcast called Wibbly Wobbly Dicey Wicey which is a Doctor Who role-playing game podcast. Um, we can be found on Twitter um, at WWDWRPG. And the difference between this podcast and basically pretty much all the other Doctor Who role-playing podcasts is, is that we talk about the system, the games, adventures, and we have a feature called Another Universe where we integrate other science fiction universes into the doctor who universe so we're very very niche so if you're one of the other 12 people in the world who are interested in this and want to listen yeah uh, yeah find us on twitter and we're on everywhere you can get podcasts and i'm going to think because you've kindly invited me to come on um, i'm going to think of some uh, uh series to try <laughs> to try and be done in the role play that I'll have to think because my mind, as you know, went blank on that one. So, yeah, well, when you finally watch Blake 7, maybe we can do that. Yes, uh, yes, if Sly Hearts listening, I will be watching Blake 7. I will. I, I, I see it every week, but I will watch Blake 7. Um, 
No, I'll just, <laughs> I'll just say thanks very much again, Ryan, and until next time, it's been a joy. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. I'll see you soon. Bye-bye.